0: Hello, everybody. You're listening to The Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 20, The Big 2-0, The Arc Situation. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another great edition of our Thursday Big Chill Podcast, where we're going to give you the best picks of the week and hopefully bump up our against-the-odds and money-lines Because according to Eddie and Sam, I am still in the dumps. Uh, But before we get to the NFL, let's say hi. So, Sam, I do want to start with at least one point of pride for me. The Tampa Bay Lightning won the Stanley Cup in six games. So, we both correctly picked the Lightning and I picked the series. I did not actually tally up the total goals, which was the next tiebreaker. And that one, I think you might have been closer to. There was a lot of goals scored, at least not in that last game, but the games before there was. So, um, but overall, Sam went 9 for 15 in his Stanley Cup series – in his NHL playoff series picks, and I went 10 for 15. So not a bad first year for the squid picking the NHL. What do you have to say for yourself?
1: I mean, it's the fact that you said you're proud – of beating me (laughs) in these NHL. Like this was the very, like this was to have the very like integrity of NHL on this podcast on the line. And you scraped it (laughs) with the game, that one in six on the Stanley Cup final. I'm not sure if proud is the word. I think relief is probably the word.
0: Well, I guess the other thing too, I mean, maybe Eddie can chime in here is... 10 out of 15 versus 9 out of 15, is that an indication of I scraped by or that I picked pretty decent, picking, what, 66% correctly, but that an animal from the sea in Sam the Squid was able to pick over 500%, or over 500, 50%. 500%?
2: Wow. 500%. 500%, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> um, I mean, there's no shame in your record. That being said, I'd have to like, kind of look at it because the, da- the like, downside for Sam Wright is at times he picked like relatively large upsets, like an eight to beat a one, things that a normal person wouldn't have done. And he costs himself, like he would have beaten but, you. if, But, he but those worked out for him,
0: him in, the, in the NBA. Right. In the NBA,
2: they the, did, yeah, but we're we're just yeah. talking NHL here, right? No, NHL. I know,
0: but I'm saying, you know, like it's it's kind of the the luck of the the sport,
2: maybe a little bit. Yeah, no, coming in with no knowledge means that you don't get, you know, you aren't influenced by seating that may not matter at times. But we'll see. We you know we we also so yeah, NBA maybe worth mentioning that the Heat absolutely destroyed. Uh, I mean, sorry, the Lakers absolutely destroyed the Heat in Game One last night covered the spread easily, so that keeps me alive in the contest v. Sam, seeing as I need to cover the spread four times, so at least that's that. Now, the downside is kind of what happened, what I feared would happen, did happen, so now the spread for game two is higher than the spread was for game one, so I'm facing a situation where they end up just not covering because the spread gets too high, but still, they just look miles better. And I will also say, because we made our, our wild card picks uh, on Monday, a couple of the series are already done because they're already over sweeps. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. And uh, well, it was only two games, right? So they played back to back days. It, well, it, but um, the Yankees swept the Indians. And game two last night was a, a really good game. Yankees won 10 9. Um, but the one really worth mentioning. I said that the Astros going through was the result that baseball deserves and Mm. the Astros swept and are through. (laughs) Yeah, they did. (laughs) And I liked I saw some of the Astros players because basically after the game they were consistently ice like no one wants you to win this. Um, you know, how are you gonna deal with it? And basically every player was like, We know nobody wants us to win, but they're just gonna have to get used to it. They're gonna have to deal with it. So Uh. You might as well be interesting just own as well.
1: the you might as well just own the identity now, right? Like if people know you I sat- guess the
2: th- the thing that bothers me a little bit about it is kind of when you hear them talk. It's, they don't acknowledge the fact that the only reason people hate them is because they cheated. They kind of treat it like, oh, people hate us because we're good, or people hate us because of some sort of semi- irrelevant factor. isn't it's not the fact <laughs> they're ignoring the fact that people hate them because they cheated. and as a result of their cheating, won a world series and made it to a world series
1: and threw the game into disrepute
2: yeah yeah but
0: what else what what else can they do at this point though either do you know what i mean like it's pretty obvious that they did what they did i think being moved on surely be humble about it just be like look
1: we accepted what we did was wrong we're just trying to move on the way we can which is win games truthfully and honestly and just keep going like that would be at least a humble statement rather than this kind of like what Eddie just mentioned then where it's like oh they better get used to us really annoying everyone every time we win
2: (laughs) yeah too also you might even make the point if you're one of the players like well you know it's a real shame because we're we actually are a really good team so maybe this is proving the fact that we didn't need to cheat and so this in a way this almost makes it look worse right because they were a really good team and so You know, maybe they would have won the World Series anyway. And so maybe if you were a player, you might use this as an opportunity to kind of make that point, which is, yes, we cheated and that was wrong. And now looking at the fact that we can win without cheating, it's almost worse for us because we're going to get, you know, no one's ever going to give us credit for being good now. Was
1: every player in on it? at the Astros, because you know how like some people can cheat, uh, say, for example, like cricket, they can do ball tampering or the like deflate gate with the Pats and the Colts, like not necessarily every person has to be in on it, but was was, like the entire Astros team in on it?
0: Unclear. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think they've ever proven who was and who wasn't. But it was pretty clear that a lot of people like there was a lot of different people at bat when the infamous drum sounds were happening. So you'd have to assume a majority of them were in on it.
2: And the the video uh, sort of where they were doing analyzing the uh, the calls, those were the signs. Those were like right as you went through their dugout. So even if you were a normal player, you might have just been like, "Hey, why do we have TV monitors like right when we leave our dugout and like two interns sitting there like analyzing yeah. like live film? Like why are we doing this?"
1: You'd have to be so, massively naive, wouldn't you? Like some guy going, "Oh, why are we banging on a drum here? Like, why are we banging yeah. on a bin?" I'm going to join them <laughs> and bang on this bin as well, and just really <laughs> just, just ruining it. Just ruining it. Yeah,
2: just turns into like the it's blue man like, group. <laughs> yeah, it's like our thing, guys. When we're losing, we hit the garbage cans.
0: <laughs> yeah, or it's like the crowd gets wind of it, and it becomes you know like the the Houston crowd thing. You know, whenever they're down, they all start like drumming on the drums. <laughs> now, like they can't recognize it. <laughs>
2: Yeah, no, I, I mean, maybe if you were a relief pitcher or something like that, you could argue that you weren't aware of it. But definitely, I think every hitter, every, you know, like non-pitching player on the team, they must have been at least somewhat aware. Yeah, yeah. and I'm
1: guessing you would have, I, I mean, me personally, if I wasn't involved and then learnt of it, you would leave the team immediately, right? I mean, I don't, I don't know, know if that's you, possible, contractually, your, but...
2: No, it's not, and you still want your salary. <laughs> So, why would oh, you leave the team
0: immediately? You're probably gonna hit better than you did all season. Other season.
2: No, I mean after
1: you found out, Muppet. <laughs> 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 like if you didn't know, like, would you want to be associated? I'm not sure.
0: If I didn't know I wasn't getting the benefit, then yeah, probably because you have yeah, to see the some of these guys thing. hit yeah. hit better and probably got more money in future contracts because of it yes, and then there's this poor so guy who's like thanks for the heads up man i was in a contract year could have used an extra well, Al- four home Al- runs
2: Altuve, <laughs> 2 they won an mvp right so there's yeah. they even discuss like should he be stripped of his mvp when they know he was cheating so that's that's an interesting it's kind of falls into that like armstrong debate from the tour de france kind of idea whatever happened with that officially Um, There's no winners in the years.
0: Oh, so here's actually a good one. Now that I have my last day to basically talk about hockey. uh, On the podcast I listened to, there was an ex-professional hockey player who has started cycling a little bit. And by a little bit, I mean, just probably has a decent bike that he takes around Arizona for 20 mile rides or something like that. He argues with a year's training he could comp- complete the Tour de France. Not be competitive, but just complete it in like the allotted time. So like okay. he'd have to do each stage in each day, sequentially throughout the days. You know what I mean? Like he can't take a seven day rest and then do stage four after, you know? Yes, is he it mean possible? Under,
2: the, does he mean under Tour de France regulations, right? Because you have to finish within the time like i think you have to finish within two hours of the winner of the stage finishing otherwise i don't, I, you don't you I don't can, think that you can't just you can't just like roll over the line at, at 11 45 at night and be like cool guys it took me 12 hours oh, but I
1: did it. and started
0: at like half 12 in the morning that day and you were like oh and
2: that exactly. was a
1: tough
0: t- 20k <laughs> I, I i would say probably not that stringent of the rules but just the fact that he would start and be able to finish, you know, within that day and then do the next one, the next day and so on, because it's what 2000 miles total depends on the right? year, but
2: yeah, about it that a bit. two to 3000. Yeah. And it's how many days? 21 days. Yeah.
1: That's crazy.
0: Like so I he know. was just arguing in general, would he be fit enough with a year of training to be no. able to complete it?
2: No. I mean, yeah. his big issue, right? I'm assuming, as a former hockey player too, he he need to cut weight pretty significantly would be one issue. Yeah, so he's probably yeah. looking, at needing to lose like ten kilos to even give himself kind of a hope of pushing himself up some of the slopes. That's twenty two pounds for our American listeners. <laughs> we have friends, <laughs> right? Like, we have friends who cycle pretty seriously, and what they do in the Tour de France is they have one or they have usually a stage that you can do. Either I think it's after the the Tour de France has been completed, they allow you to do like the exact stage. They order organize like a stage race, and it's usually one of the climbs. So either in the Alps or the Pyrenees Oof. or wherever. And even these guys who like cycle five six times a week and take cycling pretty seriously, they struggle to complete that stage. So to imagine doing that in and then doing it and then the next day having to do it conceivably again, mm. I just think yeah.
0: I, I think that's the, the hard part. I mean, you could maybe do two or three of them in a row, but then once you're getting into you know, stage 14, 15, having to just day after day hit these climbs and these distances, there's it, no
1: way. But also, is he no, doing think, it? Are they doing it in isolation as well, or are they doing it within the Tour de France? So with the, No, he, uh, he would uh, go to Friday. France and do it. Oh, he would just do it in isolation on his own? but sam also touches
2: sam also touches on a good point which is part of the advantage you have in cycling with other people is you get to draft and that reduces your wind resistance by 30 percent. so it's a pretty significant impact over the course of a stage so if you're literally just cycling it by yourself you are going to have to increase your effort by 30 well say sometimes you're at the front but say he's going to have to increase his effort by 25% 25% compared to a professional cyclist who is you know an athlete sort of born to do that and spent dedicated their life to it i would give him literally zero chance.
1: So who was this
0: guy? Uh he's one of the uh pod, podcast people for spit and checklists.
1: Okay send him a so it's send like, him a tweet or something and just say could you answer these questions for
0: us because the big chill's coming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait th- well this this is the issue can one of you step up and be the challenger for our podcast and we could see who could compete, who I... could win further. <laughs> Should we hire on Big Dave as a consultant Is he our best chance of like a close friend?
1: <laughs> I think Lance Armstrong's yeah, looking
0: for work. If we could...
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Big Dave, if you're listening, we could use your help right now in promoting our podcast.
2: <laughs> um. I mean, here's the thing is, I would happily challenge him because I would give myself a 0% chance and him a 0% <laughs> chance. So I know he's not beating me. He's
0: pretty fit, though. He stays in really, really good shape.
2: I don't the metric
0: just going?
1: Is the metric just being ahead of the other person or completing the Tour de France? I think if either of them <laughs>
0: completed, I'd be fucking astonished. <laughs> I'd be way more astonished (laughs) if Eddie completed it, to be honest. I'm just just imagining
1: it, not on on like a tour style bike, but on just like a a normal bike.
2: (laughs) I, oh, like I didn't like have the
1: time movie. to buy a
0: bike so. I would like a sam, sam I, have, I have the best image i have eddie getting on his bike and starting and his hat flying off <laughs> oh no my hat <laughs> yeah he didn't do his helmet he didn't put the strap on his helmet <laughs> he has to go back for his oakland a's backwards cap as he's trying to ride out the tour de france <laughs>
2: In fairness, I did do, so for my 21st birthday, at the time, my mother was really into cycling. She'd like cycled across India and cycled around Cuba. And she'd done one of, she'd done Cuba with my sister. So she thought as a birthday present to me on the evening of my 21st birthday, there was a cycle round London. So it was a hundred mile bike race and she signed both of us up for it. And I did absolutely zero preparation for it because I was just like if my mother can do it then I can definitely do it and I was like I was at university like in 21 years old in good shape at the time and I turned up. I had my normal bike with like mountain <laughs> like bike coffee? tires, with like mountain bike tires on it, <laughs> BMX, which was inst- and I was like, "How much difference is this going to make?" And then as soon as you take off and the people fly from the start, you're like, "I'm in trouble." <laughs> and um, and we started going around. I was kind of dropped by the people like who were actually racing, and then my mother was just kind of tagging along with me to kind of keep me going. And there was one stage about sixty miles into it. Where I really wanted something to drink, and there were, you know, kind of like a normal race. There's people along the way with like a beer. Bottles. No, just water oh. <laughs> that you could pick up. And so I was like, we kind of went by one of the checkpoints, and I said, like, when's the next like water bottle stop? And the person was like, oh, just around the corner. It's like 500 yards. So I was like, okay. So sort I of tried to power to get there, went around <laughs> the corner 500 yards. <laughs> get there no water bottle stop there <laughs> and uh, it's, it's, and, it's uh much, another you know, person standing there is like where's the next yeah they were like <laughs> where's the next water bottle stop they go oh just around the corner now they're like four or five hundred yards power through no one there i was like please where's the next water bottle stop just another 500 yards just keep going do it then i get there still no water bottles and i go like when's the next water bottle stop There was like just another 500 yards I hopped off my bike. (laughs) It's like, you might think you're motivating me, but please stop fucking lying to me. Just tell me exactly where it is because I can't keep going through in these disappointing 500 meters. And uh, they were like, okay. They probably looked at
0: you. They probably looked at you or like, this poor guy, he's on like a normal huffy bike. He's not going to make it. He needs our encouragement. I can imagine. again, I just, I just picture I, you with the backwards athlete, like Uncle Ney's hat, just like <laughs> next,
1: next water break where's that? <laughs> but also I could just imagine like the person going, oh yeah, it's just 500 yards down and then as soon as he's gone just ringing the next person going, oh I just told this guy there's a water stop where you are, just tell him there's another one further down and
0: <laughs> Sam and then they're like, which guy? And they're like, you'll know when you see him <laughs> You'll know, <Yeah. laughs> He's, he's not even pedaling. He's He's got his feet on the ground and he's pushing the not,
2: bike. I'm not Fred Flintstone, Frank.
0: <laughs> oh, that's so good. The image I have
1: is the perfect image. Good. I've just got the Fred Flintstone one now, so I'll put like a giant bottle of water in the car so it turns over.
0: <laughs>
2: oh. That's funny. But for the record, I did complete Well, the, Eddie, the
0: other thing... What time nice. did
2: you get? I can't even remember. They stopped the clock.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't. Still, they opened all the roads again. It was the day after.
2: No, that was the thing. is they, No roads had really been closed, apart from a couple key roads that were quite easily, easily done that don't have high traffic. But like, a lot of it was just open roads, and that's why it was in the middle of the night so that there wasn't but there was the nightmare period because i think we set off at about 11 and then we went through quite a busy part that had like pubs and clubs around it so there was this moment when people were leaving like kind of getting turfed out of clubs and, and and pubs and they just heckled us as we cycled along so you just had this moment of unlike the tour de france where you have people running alongside you and encouraging you and helping you get up that hill we had people shout drunkenly shouting at us and abusing us it was really pleasant
1: <laughs> wait i've heard some pretty bad things at the tour de france though, like where they throw That's stuff funny. at you and things like that
2: no those do happen but generally people are there are just into cycling and trying to support people they're sometimes stupid they get way too close and stuff yeah but fundamentally
1: Pyrenees the- or say where it's like really windy up a steep hill and they get like super close you only see like a two or three foot between either sides of the crowd it's crazy
2: Oh yeah, and sometimes people touch each, touch them and stuff, but yeah.
0: Eddie, you were also mentioned we have several friends who are serious cyclists. To me, the definition of a serious cyclist is someone who has the clothing. How many outfits do they have to have to be considered serious? Is it just one, just like one full getup or do they have to have multiple, you think, to be
2: serious? I think I think two. Two. Because I think to 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 fall into the serious cyclist category, I'm assuming you're going on at least two rides a week, and so you need two outfits. Yeah, you two two have... nice wind-resistant outfits. You have
1: one Eddie where it's just like an all-in-one lycra.
2: No, I do have old lycra. <laughs> no, you were... from from my his
0: badminton team. outfit?
2: Yeah. So I do still have with my
1: the A's li- hat and a back with the white white <laughs> short, the really shorts and a backwards A's and hat the, and the pulled up white socks and the white. Where's dresses.
0: the fucking water?
2: <laughs> I do still have my rowing lycra. So if you want, I'll I'll challenge him and I'll tell him that I'll ride on a mountain bike in my <laughs> rowing lycra that's now built for someone about twenty five kilos less than I currently weigh, and uh, <laughs> just the sight will put him off. I'll win at the start of that's, that's 60 pounds for our American friends.
1: <laughs> stop saying that. The internet exists. They can work it out.
2: I'll go this far. If you don't know what a kilo is, stop listening to the podcast.
1: Yeah, because the next hour is all about weights of measurement.
2: Yeah. <laughs> don't don't even get me started on stones.
1: <laughs> oh God. God. The British system's a mess. We decide to just use everything. But anyway, <laughs> the podcast is not about this. <laughs>
0: Maybe down the line, we, we transition into a metric system podcast. So I will do one more hockey thing. I want to get in. Oh God. Yes. Wow. I'm just gonna, well, you've, you've earned the right to keep talking about it. So
1: I
2: guess exactly. Here's your, here's, it's my only
0: day. Here's your
2: one minute corner. we've agreed. Okay, my one this minute corner. Now. This is it till the season restarts. We're done. Okay. Now. My
0: one minute. Okay. Okay. So the first thing I'm disappointed we didn't ask Sam to randomly pick who the MVP would be because it was the closest race in the history. We were just going to give you a list of names and have you just pick one of the names and the guy won by one, one place vote more. which was like the closest ever. They both, they went like nine, first place, eight, second, one third. And the other guy went eight, eight and one. So that would have been funny to see if you had picked the closest race in history. But the other thing, I won't actually get into any of the stats about the Stanley Cup or whatever, but what was cool was I thought it was kind of surprising. In Florida, they decided not to have a parade, which considering Florida, I thought, oh, for sure, they're just going to go have a parade, no masks. What they did have was a boat parade. So there's this canal that the stadium is basically on. It's like a little river canal kind of thing. And a lot of the players have these huge houses on the canal and they all ride their jet skis around and stuff like that. And theoretically, you could get to the stadium by riding your jet ski from your house to the, to the stadium. So instead of doing a normal parade, they did a boat parade. And it was pretty cool. It was just like all these boats going down and these guys just ripping beers and drinks on the, on the boats and like throwing beers to the, to the people on the sides and stuff like that. So that I thought was kind of cool. I've never seen that before, a celebratory boat parade.
2: Well, they do it in Boston every time with the duck boats. Yeah, with the duck boats. That's true. <laughs> I mean, literally every <laughs> Boston championship does that. That's true. But this was a little
0: different. This was like...
2: Yeah, it probably had more style than a duck boat, but still.
0: It actually kind of had less. It looked as if my parents and all their friends one day wanted to have a little parade through their little lagoon that their houses are on and just got all their normal-sized boats and just loaded coolers full of beer. And were like... <laughs>
1: We're winners,
0: ah. In fact, I think my family's probably done similar stuff to that just on a Saturday night.:
2: <laughs> Well now that, yeah, you've that was, was kind of cool. Your, and that was it.: Now that you've rounded off your hockey coverage for the year and you're riding the high of having beaten Sam in the picks contest, time to bring you right back down to Earth with an update.: I didn't on beat Sam
0: at NFL.
2: What? I beat Sam the squid. You did beat. I didn't Sam. beat Sam. Oh, sorry. <laughs> well now, now now let's see your actual contest against Sam because uh, last week was improved for you, but you're still you're still a little bit behind. So uh, straight up in the sort of money line picks, you went nine, six, and one. Sam had a rough week, he went eight, seven, and one.
1: Yeah.
2: And I went ten, five, and one. And then against the spread, Frankie went ten and five. Sam had his first (laughs) losing. Sam had his first losing. What do you guys talk like I do so
0: bad every week? You guys just talk like I do so bad, and I went ten and five against the spread. It's good this week.
2: Well, the thing is, we really told you you did badly. I said you were doing badly at one moment, which is the thing that saved you was you got the Sunday night game and the Monday night game right, and you also had three of the four afternoon kickoffs right so if you hear your so i'm a late i'm a late day picker yeah your performance for the thursday and the early afternoon games you were not looking great at the kickoff for the, for, the yeah. late after, for the late game
1: yeah before our bills on our on our um tracker before the bills game the only thing that stopped you having 0 and 4 in both games was the eagles bengals die <laughs>
2: <laughs> so literally, the ev- one game you couldn't have picked wrong. <laughs> yeah. How
0: did you? How did you guys do against the spread?
2: So uh, I went eleven and five, and Sam, as I said, had his first losing week at seven and nine. So that brings our Ooh. overall records. I'm now twenty six, twenty one, and one against the spread. You are twenty four, twenty three, and one against the spread, oh, and Sam yeah. has. We've caught up a little bit about against Sam and he's now 28-19 and one. So still a really good record for the season. But the interesting thing with you, Frank, is you're close in the in the spreads, like you're not too far away, but moneyline, you're not doing so well. So moneyline, you're still you know, I'm 34, 13, and one. Sam is 33, 14, and one, and you're 28, 19, and one. And it's quite interesting that you're not that far ahead on the spread picking, but just straight up picking winners, you, you seem to struggle with a little bit. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, what's funny is it, it actually corresponds to my normal betting because I'm pretty good at hitting the teasers when I'm playing against the spread and teasing it versus just picking up like I usually do one teaser bet and then one where I'll pick five or six winners and I never win that one. I never win the the straight-up winner one, but I do win the teaser one, usually like every three or four weeks, usually. So it kind of makes sense. I'm just not good against... I I think because I bet with my heart sometimes when I pick who's going to win, and it kills me. (laughs) That's nice. That's very
2: sad. Well, 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 it's more hatred, not not heart. (laughs) After next week, we'll probably be able to do some like fairly solid analysis because with four weeks of records, we can probably then start to look into our own picking trends and and where we go wrong and where we go right. But yeah. at least anyone following us is is doing okay so far yeah, I think that's we can do ugly a- that
1: mark and that that we've actually all got pretty decent records here. It's a pretty good start. i mean two. everyone
2: to be all three of us to be above five hundred against the spread through the three weeks is good. And then obviously both Frank and I, uh, both Sam and I are above. We would be profitable if you were betting an equal sum of money on every game. You would have made money if you just followed every one of our picks. There we go.
1: So the um, takeaway for week four picks is follow Eddie and I, not Frank.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Unless you want against the spread.
2: <laughs> or, yeah. or maybe, maybe Frank's do. No, yeah. that wasn't or against the spread. My Frank.
0: afternoon. Just follow my afternoons.
2: Yeah, you can follow yeah. you in the late games. Yeah.
0: I mean, should we should we get into
1: it then? Should we have a look? 'Cause yep. I'm excited to talk Let's about i oh, I'm excited to talk about the Thursday game. I mean, we were we were treated to the Dolphins Jags, now we've been treated to the uh, Broncos Jets. And do you know what makes this special? Is the Jets are one point favourite. <laughs> wow. I mean, you know what, Frank? you kick us off, you know, do you, do you think the jets justify this bonanza of a game as going (laughs) off favorites?
0: Well, my main note for this game is not worth talking about, (laughs) 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 but, and my next note is glad I don't have to waste my Thursday night watching this shit game. (laughs) Cause normally I'll have to, you know, I end up just spending my late afternoon watching these games, but I'm not going to watch this one. I have no interest in it. Um, I'll, I don't think the Jets should ever be favored this season. I understand the Broncos aren't good. I understand they're starting a second-year undrafted quarterback Mm. who at least has family ties to a decent quarterback and his father. Um, But I cannot go with the Jets. They just look terrible. And I guess my reasoning for picking the Broncos would be the Broncos' defense has maybe looked average at best but the jets offense looks way 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 below average so on that terms i'll take the broncos in a 17 to 16 thriller i think the over under is 40
1: so you're going under in that epic okay
2: eddie I am going to take the Jets. I think, you know, the Broncos just missing so many key players on their third or what even maybe be their fourth string quarterback. I'm I'm not picking that guy to win a an NFL game. So I take the Jets. Yeah. (laughs) At the same time actually the Jets blitz a lot and they actually do get a reasonable amount of pressure on the quarterback. So I think when you do have someone who may not be very comfortable uh, in the pocket i think that's that's a bonus for them i also think one of the things is the jets are awful but they they have actually played quite a tough schedule so far so they they may not be quite as bad as they look but uh they are bad yeah um i'm
1: actually agreeing with eddie on this one it's it's pretty depressing to put the jets um <laughs> This is probably the only time we'll ever say that the Jets are favorites. Uh, sorry, that the Jets are actually going to be down as a win. But um, yeah, I just think the, the fact that the Broncos are already going down to that level of quarterback and the Jets are still relatively speaking, what is that apart from their safety? Um, uh, I can't remember his name, but they're still relatively for a terrible team, still at relatively full strength. And I think for a bad team to be losing some of their key players and for a bad team to still be at full strength it probably matters so yeah i'll probably go with the jets so
2: i'll also just throw in i know it's only week four but i've yet to to be wrong with my pick of the winner of thursday night football so we'll see if i can keep that trend going tonight
0: we spent way too much time talking about that game (laughs) all right so you want to go
1: on to the next one then or do Do you want to keep talking about it frank No, do
0: not want to. I didn't even mention Darnold's name, and I was happy about that.
1: All right. Well, now you got the Cardinals at the Panthers, and the Cardinals are three point favorites. I'll
2: be quick on this one. I don't think this is a particularly good game either. I think this is like a slight overreaction to the Cardinals losing to the Lions last week. I think this line should be a bit bigger. Um, Kind of surprises me because the Panthers are okay, but. You know, I think I think the Cardinals are, are decent to good, so I'm going to take the Cardinals to win and to cover the spread. I think it, the spread should be more.
0: Yeah, I, I'm with Eddie. I mean, it's not much of an. I think it's too much of an overreaction that the Cards lost to a very very talented Detroit Lions
2: team. <laughs> um. oh, I assume you'll be picking the picking the Lions later than Frank.
0: <laughs> oh no, spoiler alerts, Eddie. No spoiler alerts. But in. Seriously, I mean, I don't, I don't, they should be like five point favorites. So I'll take the cards to win. I'll take the cards to cover. Um, Carolina doesn't have a, actually, they have a much worse pass defense than Detroit. So Detroit kind of shut down Murray a little bit. So I don't see that happening again. And having Murray be able to, to throw, especially to Hopkins leads the NFL. Did you know that Eddie? 356 yards
2: yeah it, yep, it, thirty yeah it catches. is worth it is worth saying with Hopkins that he has mispracticed this week, so there is a slight possibility that he doesn't play or that even if he does play it's with reduced time so just worth yeah. factoring that in but still
0: but still yeah i'll go cards and cards
2: yeah
1: i i I'm, I'm the same i think um the panthers win last year there was a lot of uh, last week against the um Chargers, there was a lot of turnovers in that game as well. So I I, I think coupled with the overreaction of the Cardinals loss, I I think that's a pretty good spread. So yeah, I'm going Cardinals and cover the spread as well. Open for my Um, free Dunkin' Donuts coffee on Monday. Oh my God, it's become such a thing now. (laughs) So next game, um, I'm going to ask you if you haven't already seen,
2: but what
1: spread do you want for the Ravens at Washington?
2: I've already (laughs) seen it, so I'll remove myself.
1: Frank, what spread do you want? I've seen
0: it as well. Great. I would.
2: (laughs) You have to at least admire our honesty, Sam. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Thank you.
0: I would take like 13, maybe.
1: (laughs) Oh, wow.
2: (laughs) That does sound like a good idea.
1: What do you think? 12 and a half or 13 and a half?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'll say between between 12 and 14. How about that?
1: (laughs) One number. Fine. Okay. So, uh, Frank do you i mean i'm i'm gonna put washington down but do you think that spreads a
0: bit unfair on them oh uh wait are you are you saying that you think <laughs> i'm gonna pick washington Because yeah. there's no way i would pick the redskins um eddie told me what you you
2: can't you, you don't, don't even R know word frank
0: oh <sighs> You, uh, Do you want to know what I have written down on my thing? Do not they, say Redskins. <laughs> and you just did it again? <laughs> Why not? I, I'm explaining that I did it, but I didn't get that far into my notes to see that. Uh, the footballers, as NFL Network would call them, I don't think they stand a chance. Uh, they Their run defense is bad. The Browns ran up against them. Kyler Murray ran up against them. And you're going to see the Ravens just destroy them running wise. Uh, I can't imagine, especially, I think Eddie told me this morning that uh, Chase Young is out. So, you know, that's another injury that they don't even have a good pass rusher because they already have one or two other ones out. So I think this is going to be a Ravens blowout. What really, really is going to piss me off is I can see Lamar Jackson throwing up huge numbers and then everyone jumping back on the Lamar Jackson bandwagon after he got shit on by the Kansas City Chiefs last week and showed definitively to me that he's not an elite quarterback especially oh, and defi- not an elite
2: definitively elite <laughs> throwing
0: quarterback wow. definitively oh everyone always knows
2: everyone always knows the most defining moment of your career is like 3 4 years in in a week 3 matchup that's when people will never forget that moment
0: no it's it's a big monday night matchup against what potentially could be your next rival for the next 10 years in Patrick Mahomes. It's like a Tom Brady, Peyton Manning kind of thing. That's what everyone wants to think it's going to be. So in those matchups, yeah, you're right. It's a week three, whatever, but it's one of those big primetime matchups against one of the other elite QBs where you're going head to head. And Wait. once again, he's now 0 for three against Mahomes and has looked terrible trying to pass the
2: ball. Oh, hold on, hold on. Wait, can I, the,
1: could I just add something as well? Like, Frank, if that game went the other way around, I imagine you'd be saying that that's exactly when you would want to lose the game in a week three, and Mahomes will come back when they probably play in the playoffs better because of knowing more about that team, etc. Like, I would say no, that's exactly the time where Lamar Jackson would want
0: to potentially have an off day passing wise in a week No, weekend. losing the game is one thing losing the game is one thing he did not look good throwing the ball at all that game he missed about six deep balls I think it was what two for 12 with passes over 10 yards it was like a ridiculously bad number but just watching it I mean even his short throws weren't that great he was throwing behind receivers he was like leaving receivers out to dry he missed at least two deep touchdown passes like he does not – he is not an elite throwing QB. And I'm tired of oh, people no, saying, no, no. look at the stats he put up last year. Everyone no, says – I mean, you look at very, his stats.
2: Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's not turn into one of those talking head shows where we straw man it. I don't think there's many people out there saying he's an elite throwing quarterback.
0: Okay, well, started, like, well real quick, real quick. I'll just throw saying, up his numbers. His number – his QB but, rating, which is an but, indicator who, of not running – it's an indicator of throwing, is 113 in the regular season. That is better than just about any QB out there. So that yeah. would suggest he's an elite throwing QB. But
2: when you dig deeper into those no, it stats... No, it would suggest he's an elite quarterback. That doesn't count running. Right, but the QBR will factor in turnovers, for example, and the fact that he... His QBR takes... is 83. Okay, but... You, you still see like there, there are elements because of the style and the approach that the Ravens have with him. It means that he's less likely to throw an interception. You know, there's all sorts of things there that will impact the the way the rest of his stats are interpreted. And so look, I don't think there's anyone out there saying, you know, me, I'm not a Lamar Jackson fan. I don't think there are people out there arguing that he's an elite throwing quarterback. I think there are plenty, oh, of I think... Believe, plenty of people believe he's an elite quarterback. Those are not this, the same thing.
0: No, I, it's, people definitely think he's a great throwing QB and he is against absolutely shit teams. Right. But when you put we've, him up against a good we're, team, we're,
2: dro- we're dropping to the worst form of sports talk, which is like, people say this and these people are wrong, <laughs> but there are unnamed people. So, but the look, it was a bad sign for him. I think the, the game plan is there. We discussed it actually at the beginning of the year. There is, is there is a way to beat the Ravens which is to put him in a situation where you, you acknowledge the fact that he's going to pick up 100 yards, even 150 yards on the ground, but you're going to make him throw. And that's what the Chiefs did. They put like nine men in the box at times. They played man-to-man. They just tried to put him in a situation where if you're going to beat us, your arm is going to beat us. We've seen teams do it to him in the past, in like other seasons, in the playoffs. And so far he's yet to come through, but he is still young, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to write him off. And I'm definitely not going to say that his career is going to be defined by a week three game. His career is going to be defined by what he does in the playoffs. And so far, he's failed every time he's been in the playoffs. Not in the first game, necessarily. But, <laughs> well, yeah, but those are more important to me than the week three matchup he had that no one is going to be talking about 10 years from now. Oh, they will. Oh, they
0: absolutely will. Because you know it's going to be 10 years from now? Mahomes is 10-0 and 0 against Lamar Jackson. They'll be talking about it, for that's sure. They already are.
2: That's not going to happen. That's not gonna. If we can, we can create a prop bet of will Mahomes go undefeated against Lamar Jackson in his career? I will take the no, and it will be. I'll be very, very confident. Because I also like that you put it as if it's like just Lamar Jackson v. Patrick Mahomes, that none of the other factors matter. Are you two done? Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've got all day. <laughs> I'll just say. <sit>
1: <laughs> Okay, what's the prop bet then? I I, I doubt uh, you know uh, if you're going to well, go. I'll, 10, I'll, uh, it's going to be a lot of years of friendship that we'll have to. Yeah, make we,
2: to. Yeah, I'll, I'll forget about it. But what I will say is, I'm still going. I'm taking the Ravens. I like. I always like teams coming off the back of a defeat. I think when a good team, the kind of bounce back, uh, approach. I think more often than not, it's a good move. On top of that, Haskins. Actually, when you look over the last two seasons, when uh he's had pressure he's been sacked more than any other quarterback in the league and the ravens like to blitz so he's going to be under significant pressure so i think you know when you factor all of that in then you have chase young out which is obviously going to hurt uh the washington uh, defense then yeah i think ravens to win is an obviously to me is an absolute lock 13 points obviously it's a, you never when it, once it goes double digits a little bit unsure but i still think they'll cover
1: yeah, that's, that's always been my problem, is those long uh, spreads. But, you know, the Colts did it pretty easily. And actually a couple of teams this year with the longest spreads have done it, basically. So I, I don't see a reason how Washington can stop the Ravens playing their game. And I, I'm with Eddie. I like a team that bounces back from a loss. And I think the Ravens will do exactly that. So I'll go with that one um what's next we have uh browns at the cowboys and the cowboys are four and a half point favorites eddie i'll
2: let frank i'll let frank kick this one off because he's pretty opinionated when it comes to the browns
0: (laughs) it's a tough one i don't i went back and forth on this several times i am pretty opinionated on the browns i don't think they're that great but I also don't think the Cowboys are that great either.
2: Officially, according to you, Frank, not a playoff team, the Browns. Declared on Sunday.
0: Yeah, yes. I don't think they're a... Which
2: is tricky because because the Steelers also aren't a playoff team, <laughs> according to you. So something weird is going to happen in that division. to.
0: But... When I say that, I, I know what that means as if they're not going to make the playoffs. But what I'm kind of saying is even if they do make the playoffs, they're going to get smoked in the playoffs. Like they're, they're not of a caliber team that will succeed in the playoffs. Just, just the way they, they're so hot and cold. I just could never trust them to win a a competitive game in the playoffs, but the Cowboys defense is awful. And I think they're going to leak a ton of yards with Chubb. And I think if, the Browns just do the smart thing and run the ball, which they're effective at doing and stop worrying about getting Landry and uh, poop emoji, the ball, then I think they do well. And I think this is, this will be interesting because this could make the Browns go three and one and the Cowboys go one and three. And I'd really like to see that. So I'll go Browns. And I think the Browns obviously then will cover the spread.
2: I am going to agree with you on the outcome but we totally disagree on the strategy the Browns need to take to win this game because the big weakness of the Cowboys so far this year is their secondary. And so for the Browns, this is such a great opportunity to get Landry and OBJ more involved in their offense. For example, they have uh, Trayvon Diggs starting for their secondary, the rookie for the Cowboys. He alone has given up 223 receiving yards to the player he's covering through three weeks. So just, if you just went into this game and you said, we're going to throw to whoever Diggs is covering, you're probably (laughs) going to have a good, you're probably going to have a good day. So I think they need to go to, they need to turn to the air. This is a good opportunity for them to get that going. Also, I think the one thing the Cowboys have shown so far is that they're going to score points. So if you go into the mindset of you're going to run the ball and have slow drives, and then the Cowboys are going to have three, four minute drives where they score a touchdown, you're going to be under tremendous pressure that you're never, if you, you know, if you stall once or twice on with your run game, it's not going to be good. So I don't love it, but I'm taking the Browns, but they have to go. They have to have a turn to their passing game.
0: I'll also say, I don't think the Cowboys are going to score as much as they have against the Browns. The Browns are a decent defense. Falcons are were a terrible defense. We can get to that yeah, later in I mean, their defense. Even if you say
2: pathetic. even if you say they're not going to score as much as they have been, that's that still means they could score 24 28 yeah. points.
1: Yeah, they're I mean, scoring
2: like 40 a game.
1: And also Prescott's stats are crazy. He's nearly got 1200 passing yards, which is more than almost anyone has in a week 3, but there's still one and, and two. And a game-winning
0: yeah. interception.
1: Yeah, well, there's still one and two. Um I mean, the great thing about the Cowboys, right, is they're good entertainment. So I imagine this game being good entertainment because not only do the Cowboys put a load of yardage on offensively, but they also give a lot defensively. And going on to the points you both said, I, I think the Browns will put on points here. But simultaneously, the way the Cowboys have been playing, I fully expect them to do exactly the same. So I'm going to go with the Cowboys. I And I'll probably take them to cover that four and a half.
0: So... How did you use the word load with the Cleveland Browns
2: and not throw a joke in? <laughs> it's a smart move though, Sam. I'm 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 not overly sold on taking the Browns, but you know, I think the Cowboys are actually better than their record shows so far. Yeah. I mean,
1: the good thing about it is it'll be an exciting game, I think. I think that'll be a good one to watch. Yeah. Um, this is a good one. Um, Colts at the Bears uh, so the Colts are two and a half point favorites I mean is anyone gonna topple this Bears team yes uh, yes the Colts
2: okay yeah yeah okay. Was, but yeah no this is any I don't I think the Colts are just significantly better than the Bears even with Falls uh, starting a quarterback now so to me this is this is an easy one I think the line should be a little bit bigger than it is the fact that it's under a field goal it's really nice and, yeah, I'm going to take the Colts to win and cover the spread.
0: Yeah, the Bears are 3-0. and And if it weren't for the fact that both the Lions and the Falcons choked miserably at the ends of the games and the Giants almost came back at the end to beat them, they could just as easily be 0-3. I don't see them winning this game. This is, this is one where Phillip Rivers is going to shine. Uh, and the other thing to think, too, is I didn't even realize this. The Colts have the number one defense which is surprising, but they've played the Jets and the Vikings, so maybe it's not that surprising when you look at who they've played. But I think this is going to be a much different defense than the Bears have been used to the last few weeks. I'd like to see Foles do well, just because I'd like to see Trubisky sit on that Gatorade cooler a little more. Uh, But I don't think it's going to happen. I'll take the Colts both ways. Yeah.
2: Here's my only question for this. Oh, sorry, Sam, but maybe you can answer this to start it off. If the Colts absolutely blow out the Bears, should Trubisky get his job back?
0: You have to assume that's a conversation they've had with him already, right? I mean, I, it would be pretty shitty if after what happened, they didn't sit him down and say, listen, we're going to go with Foles. And these are the conditions that we're going to stick with him with. You know, because at that point, then it's just then you're just being an asshole to to Because I mean, he it's not like he's a a bad person or anything like that. Like he's he's clearly trying. I mean, he was almost three and O, you know, two and O going in, and you'd feel bad if he's kind of just on this string that he doesn't even know exists. And it's like, oh, we're gonna put you back in. Oh well, even though we put you back in, we're still gonna start Foles the next game. Or now you kind of played good, so maybe we'll play you. You, you know, you, you gotta. I think you just have to be honest with them and either tell them you know, we're riding falls out now for the next three or four games. We'll reassess in week eight or something like that. Yeah. I don't think a single game, like a single blowout like that
1: should change the, because like I said, it was more the public, the publicity of how they did it as well. You can't like throw someone out of a game like they did last week, get blown out the next one and then just change it again. It just, there must've been some sort of at least medium term plan to what they were doing with that. Um, uh, when, they, when they dropped him out of the game. So, I don't know. I, I think even if they're massively defeated here, I don't think it will change anything. So, who are you taking? <laughs> well, uh, um, <laughs> I, I, you can only take the Colts, right? I mean, just ignoring the Jags. Pretty embarrassing no, you, There's opening. There's
2: two teams to pick, Sam. You can even you can take either no, one. No, Eddie,
1: there's not. There's, there's <laughs> only one. The Bears have chosen
0: not to feel the team.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for me, yeah, the Colts haven't exactly played anyone spectacular, but simultaneously I think they've looked pretty good, both offensively and defensively. I don't really understand how the Bears – have done what they've done. I guess they've had some pretty good collapses within the fourth quarter to help them out. And it's made the Bears look a little bit better because of it. But two and a half points seems low for me. I was expecting this to be a more like four and a half, five and a half. So yeah, for that reason, I, I, I can see
0: nothing else except Colts win and cover in that spread. Eddie, who has the better QB in that game? I'd still rather have Phillip Rivers for now. Is it
2: close? It's pretty close, though.
1: Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh another cracker. Uh Jaguars at the Bengals. And this is one of those strange ones again where the Bengals are starting off three point favourites.
0: Sam, let's let's have you kick off your, your Joe Burrow love fest. <laughs> um I've I've actually f
1: I've actually backed the Bengals quite a bit now. And there's always a slight concern because they're favourites to actually keep going. But Without saying too much, yeah, right. I, think a,
2: I think you said the Jags are three point favorites and the Bengals are three point favorites.
1: Oh, sorry. I did, yeah, the Bengals are three point favorites. Sorry if I overspoke. But yeah, that's the problem is that the Bengals are three point favorites. And it's been a little, little bit easier to get on that kind of burrows and that bandwagon when they've been down. But to be honest, he's, he's posted some pretty good stats offensively, like hasn't thrown an interception yet, seems pretty good um in the pocket i think he's got posted some really good stats for dropping back and he seems like he's got a pretty good completion rate and stuff like that so i'm gonna i'm gonna take the bengals and i'm gonna take them to cover the spread i think the jaguars are bad and so i'm just gonna go with the fact that i like burrows as a QB. <laughs> can't say
0: too much oh is that more. you like Burroughs as a qb in quotation yeah as opposed to like a running back of course
2: yeah <laughs> but when he says qb he means cute he means cute boy
0: oh
1: i thought <laughs> you say cute oh, well, but <laughs> but, I'm, with but, you, I'm, but i'm also spelling cute like cute yeah like not yeah, spelling it with it's
2: a it's cuter that way
1: <laughs> oh
0: yeah i'm doing it kind of looks like a vampire when he gels his hair back like that <laughs> have you ever so seen I'm, him i'm like,
2: I'm going the other way. Um, Joe Burrow has looked fine. I think people are talking him up a little bit too much for a team that really at times has struggled to put up points so far through the first three weeks. Uh, And I think the Jags looked really bad last Thursday against the Dolphins. At the same time, the one thing they have shown is that they can score points. And so on that basis, in the battle of two bad teams, I want to take the one that I think is more likely to score 30 plus points. And in this instance, it's definitely the Jags. So I'm taking the Jags to win. And I'm taking obviously then Jags plus three, two. Not so fast, my friend, as Lee Corso would say, <laughs> uh, I'm going to
0: go Bengals. I'm getting on the uh, Sam Joe Burrow love fest train. The ba- Jaguars have the NFL worst. I guess, I don't know how to even say this. The teams they play against, their QB passer rating is 118, which is not good. And they only have three sacks over three games. So So this this is is the perfect.
2: What? Because we have to factor into the, like, those are, like, Fitzpatrick had a great game against them. And okay, that is probably not a great sign for them, but Fitzpatrick every once in a while just has great games. So it's, and like, I think he, he completed his first 11 passes, pass attempts against them on Thursday night. I think he had completed his his the, his previous nine or 10 attempts from the week before, the final nine or 10 attempts. So in, in total, he'd gone on like a 20, 20 21 uh, uh, sort of streak where he'd completed every attempt. It's just a kind of weird thing he does. I I wouldn't read too much into, oh, the Jags, um, you know, like the passer rating of opposing quarterbacks is so high, just because I think in that... Well, what about three sacks over three
0: games? That's pretty bad. That's kind of worrying. So I just think this is the chance for Burrow to to finally get get that nice win. The thing is,
2: they won't need those sacks when Joe Burrow starts throwing interceptions this week, so... Well,
0: I'm going to go Bengals. I'm going to go Bengals to cover. It'll probably be a tie in the spread. And that's going to be my bet of the week. I don't know, Sam, if you can actually get this because I couldn't see it in my player props. Burrow over 300 yards passing. That's your bet of the week? Bet of the week. Okay. Well, whilst I record that, you guys can talk about the charges at the
1: Bucks, And the Bucks are seven-point favorites, which seemed a little high for me. But what do you both think?
2: I'll be quick on this. The Bucks defensively look really good. Tom Brady looks a little bit over the hill. Um and I think he's a bit flattered by just the weapons he has around him. Should we say frail Frank? Just throw the frail out for for the He doesn't look frail. Good.
0: I mean, he's on the TB12 plan, so theoretically they're all about anti-frailty, so.
2: <laughs> well, he looks, yeah. Yeah. He looks uh supple, but uh, unfortunately that <laughs> that's not going to. Is he, oh, is he actually...
0: a C cup now? Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> Tom Brady's that's a C cup. Hold on.
2: You never read his book. That's what he's all about. It's all about getting supple. That's that's his. No, I've never him, heard that. Muscles.
1: Why does he have to
2: be weighed? Yeah, yeah. why,
1: why does he? It doesn't have to do <laughs> <be>
2: this. <laughs> I think Bill Belichick probably asked him that every day for the final ten years of their time working together. But yeah, I mean, you. The saddest moment for me from the last week was there was a moment when Gronk was wide open in the end zone and he just overthrew him by about five yards. And because you can picture in your mind the two of them in their prime, it was just this moment where you were kind of watching both of them age on the field. Now, obviously, Gronk had managed to get himself wide open and actually looked pretty good um, last week. But even Gronk, you kind of saw this look on his face where probably in his mind thinking like, uh, oh, the old Tom would have definitely found me there. But... Eddie, do you think Gronk I should, I, can I,
0: think I, at all anymore? <laughs> you sure the look on his face was it?
2: Uh, Where am I? <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> Might have been reading a little bit too much into his facial cues, but um, but that all that being said, the Chargers looked really bad. I think uh, last week, and I'm going to take the Bucks just because I think they're defensively they're good enough to win this game fairly easily, and I'm going to take them to cover the spread. Just because I don't think the Chargers are capable of putting up much over, say, twenty points.
0: Yeah, I'll make this quick. I, I completely agree with Eddie. Bucks have a good D. Offense doesn't look great, but they're still stacked, and you kind of hope eventually they'll start clicking. You know, even better. Herbert looks good. You know, my, my boy is looking good for a rookie. But I think the Tampa's D is going to crush them. So I'll go Bucks and Bucks to cover. Okay.
1: Uh, I'm going to go against you. Um, I think uh, I saw that Tampa lost uh, Chris Godwin, so I know they've got a lot of people to throw at Brady, but um, it just makes it just stunts it a little bit. I think Chargers look pretty bad, like you said. I think they've got defensive problems anyway, and they've got a lot of injuries as well. I think, but it's one of those games where it's like it has the capacity to either be. Uh, that seven could look really easy, and the Bucks could really easily do it. But I could also see the Chargers maybe putting up a much better performance. So I'm, I'm torn between whether saying the Bucks. I think that actually, I will tell you what, I think the Bucks will win, but I do think the Chargers will cover that spread of seven. I think that's probably how I see that. I think it will be a closer game
0: than it suggests. The, the spread is difficult. I mean, anytime you're getting over a touchdown, it it becomes a little difficult to pick. But I just think the Bucks are a much more veteran solid team than the chargers i think they
1: both could potentially claim well the bucks will definitely claim to be a potential team with the way it's starting to gel at the moment but i think the Chargers probably could potentially see themselves as that and i just think a seven on that basis just seems a little bit too strong so i think the bucks will win but i'm I'm not sure if it's by the seven so i'd rather kind of go against it
2: hey we're 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 not going to talk you out of it sam i'm always i'm always happy to see you pick a loser so don't yeah, worry yeah we need to keep crawling thanks
1: especially when there's money on it right <laughs> well no money but all right um the vikings at the texans and the texans are four and a half point favorites
2: so i'm wondering i'll start off because oh
0: I'm, i was just wondering do, like, is this game definitively going to be played well i heard about that because it's the
1: uh, apparently the Vikings basically were completely self-isolated. And that's one of the problems with this, right? Is that they haven't had much time to prepare because yeah. of the Titans issue. I
2: yeah. know right it's a, now it's still on. Yeah, I think it's going to be played, but it's a little bit hard on the Vi- harsh on the Vikings and another team test positive. And as a result of that, they didn't get to practice for a couple days. So in a way, the league, the way the league is approaching it means that, you know, a team that kind of has done nothing wrong, is actually the most the one that loses out the most because the Titans are going to get to postpone their game and meanwhile the Vikings have to play and yet basically on a short week that shouldn't have been a short week. Also, why is that a postponement? Like what is it eight players from the Titans tested positive? Well, like I mean I guess we can we may as well talk, They're talking now that the Steelers Titans game may be played on Monday. No, I don't it's, understand. it's pushed back now are you sure it's, i read this yeah as i think I, I hours I, ago I,
0: oh i thought i got a, a thing this morning that said it's going to be pushed back to later in the year
2: oh i, I saw even even today I, they were still discussing the prospect of playing on monday
0: it won't be played in week four it says
2: i but why why aren't the titans like why isn't this
1: a forfeit you know like surely I don't know what the yeah. NFL rules are, but surely if there's some level of, I mean, if it was like five players on the Steelers, five players on the Titans, I get it. But this is all Titans. So surely there's some sort of like, they all signed up to some sort of code that must
0: say that there is a breach there. And yeah. But what if it's like, what if it's like the trainer did is it, it fair yeah, to the players that the trainer, the, the trainer tested positive and then infected yeah. six players? But it's the club, isn't it? The club
1: are meant to ensure that everyone employed at the Titans is COVID secure, I guess, for lack of a better word. Um, So, so, mm, I don't know. I I just think it needs to be, because one game like that, so let's just say, for example, some of the Vikings players came out and tested positive, right? And then you have a second postponement. You genuinely then have to have a conversation about whether you pull the league for a week or something like that, right? If you have two games in a very quick succession from people flying around left right and center then going out into their usual communities and all that you would probably have to start opening those questions so i think there's a real knife edge feel to it and surely for that reason the titans i feel like they should be punished in a way but i don't know what you guys think of them
2: i'm torn because obviously they agreed to do the league and the risk you would have known coming into it that people were always going to test positive like that was always going to happen at the same time it does seem that the team that doesn't as I said like the team that gets punished the least is the team that tested positive and then other teams. So obviously the Vikings who had to have then a week where they didn't practice as much as they would have wanted to, so they haven't prepared for this game properly. And then you have the Steelers who are probably going to be a playoff team, they have the possibility now late in, late in the season in crucial games and when they might have a run of a couple of important games, they now have to stick another game somewhere into there and this could obviously happen to other teams, you might suddenly have a team where they have two games they need to win to make the playoffs, and those two games are going to be played within four days of each other or something, whereas their rivals get you know, seven days off. That's That, to me, is what makes it tricky. Forfeit seem. I think if you have two incidents, if this happens to the Titans again, it should be a forfeit. But the first time it happening, I think... The league just had to accept that they were going to be positive tests, and to punish people that harshly would have been. Because here's the thing: is they're not going to they're not going to forfeit a week 17 game, right? It's easy to say forfeit now in week four because the implications aren't obvious. But if it was if if it was a situation going into week 17 and the Titans needed to win to make the playoffs, and they were just like, nope, forfeit, you're out of the playoff season, over. Sorry, Titans. That would seem too harsh.
0: Yeah, I I just kind of like what I was saying before, I think it's just harsh because you don't know the circumstances upon which it happened. Like, I agree, for instance, if it turns out five of the players went out drinking the the night, be- two nights before the game and were out at the bar or something like that. And they're the ones who tested positive and you know, they're clearly breaking protocol rules. That's fine. But I mean, the thing about what's been going on in the past eight months is you're seeing it's, it's pretty easy to spread, you know, and, there's going to be leaks everywhere. So it's a little unfair to punish someone for, you know, who knows what, what happened? Like I'm saying it it could be something as crazy as, you know, like a valet driver or something like that infected one of the players and then he didn't know. And then that player infects seven people. So, you know, it's, it's a little circumstantial. If something were to come out that it was clearly a rule breaking instance that caused it, then yeah. But I think there are going to be random cases that people are going to get it unknowingly and, Without breaking specific protocols, it's it's gonna happen. So um, I mean, look, I work at a university and we have all these guidelines in place, and kids are still you know infecting each other and and doing thing, you know, going into classes and infecting people, and you don't know you know so like it's, the way it's you say it
2: the way you the way you describe it makes it seem as if they're going in and like intentionally they're like stabbing people with needles they're going well, into those classes and infecting i know what you're they shouldn't i'm not trying to downplay the seriousness of it or that you no know no no st- I, it's just funny I, I, to hear the way it's being described
0: yeah yeah no i i i, I it is funny but like cuz like for instance one of the things that students are doing is they're testing positive and then hacking into their apps that are supposedly supposed to like warn other people and like turning off their apps and still trying to go to class even after they've tested positive so now if you're like a teaching assistant of that class right if you're teaching assistant of that class and you are following all the rules where like if a kid tells you they've tested positive you tell them not to come And then you all of a sudden are positive because a kid snuck into class after testing positive. Then is that his fault? Like if that, you know, if that were kind of the scenario, is that the Titans fault for something like that happening? You know, like there's all these crazy things. I've got
2: got one real question for you. What has happened to today's students where they're so desperate to attend classes? That was exactly my point. When I was at university, I would have been trying to test positive. So then it's like, oh, two weeks without class. Perfect. I, this is, this, is, this sounds amazing.
0: Yeah. Ed, Eddie tested positive for HIV eight separate occasions
2: just so he can get out of exams. Yeah. <laughs> never never failed. That's how I got my law degree.
1: Wait, testing positive on eight separate. I mean, you, if you've got it, you got it, have, right? Uh, yeah, oh, I just, have really? it. I just have it. <laughs>
2: Like, Don't worry, Sam. We, my next, we, need my, my,
1: we, we need to donate Eddie to science if he has recovered from <laughs> HIV seven times.
2: <laughs> uh, did you see that? Did you see that in the news? The first guy to fully recover from uh, HIV died of cancer. I mean, what a blow! <laughs> I mean, Is that just real? yeah, yeah, he yeah, the first guy he had a he first he official first guy. guy because yeah. you've done it seven times. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not counting. I mean yeah no, was was depre- no actually in a sense he he was he was diagnosed with leukemia before he had the bone marrow transplant tra- transplant that was part of his treatment to um overcome hiv and actually they'd i from what i understood they'd actually hoped that the bone marrow transplant would have actually also been beneficial to his fight against leukemia and so it was kind of a uh, you know like a, a treatment for both of the issues but
1: that would be crazy to like say be treated, like cured of HIV and cancer, and then say sim- like walk out and get hit by a car or something like that. Be...
2: I mean, it, <laughs> Sam, we call to, that
1: life. Yeah, I mean, not to
2: not to be <laughs> really,
1: Frank. Is that what you consider life? recovery yeah, from two.
2: <laughs> not to uh, that's life. Not to make light of the situation. Not, made, not to make light of the situation, but y- you could imagine a situation in a doctor's office where he's like, I've got good news and I've got bad news. <laughs> and you're just like, i well,
1: mean, <laughs> <don't know>, me. <laughs> Which H- one IV, you, want but first? you have...
2: first? <laughs> You've got really bad cancer.
1: <laughs> Imagine if he was one of the people that asked for it the other way around as well. Like,
0: give me the bad news. It's like, well, you've got
1: cancer. He's like, oh my God, I've got AIDS and cancer. Oh, you haven't heard the good news.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like, it's like, you've got, you've got cancer, oh, but my AIDS is cleared. No, you still have AIDS, but I saved a bunch of money on my car insurance <laughs> by switching to Geico. <laughs> oh, wow. And this podcast episode oh, is brought to you
2: by Geico. All right.
0: <laughs> I said, <laughs> you am you know the person
2: who... But just to round this off, the person who must have been most disappointed about this is that this didn't happen like 25 years ago when Alanis Morissette was writing Ironic because that would have been just I hate that perfect song. line for her.
1: Nothing about what she says in that song is ironic. <laughs> it's just unfortunate. Anyway, <laughs> um, I'm going with the Texans. I just think the Vikings, complete lack of preparation. They're already one of the worst defenses in the league. I, I think this could actually be a much, much bigger score than the four and a half points suggest. So I'm going Texans with the four and a half point favorites.
0: Yeah, I'll agree. I'm going to go Texans. I can't, I can't bet with the Vikings anymore. God, they're so annoying. Uh, I mean, my only worry right now, the Texans, the first half against the Steelers, they put up over 200 yards, three TDs. The second half, they put up like 40 yards, no touchdowns and an interception or and another turnover. So as long as the first half, Texans team can play an entire four quarters I think they should have no problem with the Vikings so I'll take them to win and to cover and they have to win eventually I mean they did this was it last year right they started out 0-3 last year I think they started out 0-3 and And then came back to to win their division yeah you could say that about both teams but I guess the Texans have precedent for for doing a slow start
2: and then picking it up later on well, I'm going to disagree with both of you. Last week, I I asked for Kirk Cousins to be pumped directly into my veins, and he did cover the spread. And oh, so,
0: oh so, so that worked for you? you left. considering that a win?
1: He's still got leftover Cousins blood.
2: <laughs> and, and topical, right? We've just spoken about diseases that would have required me to be hooked up to an IV. So I am once again going to hope that that bag is just filled with Kirk Cousins. And that I'm going the Vikings. That sounds Vikings. So awful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take the Vikings to win, and obviously, I'm taking them with the four and a half points.
1: Bag of cousins. Okay. Um, Saints at the Lions, and the Saints are four-point favorites. Uh, I, I mean, Frank, Lions are your team, right? So you're you're kicking us off.
0: Lions are my team. Few would have expected these teams to come into Week Four with the same record. Am I right? Everyone would have thought Lions 3-0, and Saints 0-3. I mean, I'm not the only one. Oh, what a curveball. <laughs> <winner. laughs> uh, this is tough. The Lions need to keep winning for me to be confident that they're a playoff team. But uh, Michael Thomas might be back. That is a huge boost for the Saints because their offense, while looking better last week, still has not looked great. They are – very scared to throw the deep ball um, and teams, I think are just gonna start loading up on the box and targeting Kamara and stopping him. So I will go Saints to win, but I will go Lions to cover the spread. I think it's gonna be close. I wouldn't be surprised if the Lions win, but I'll go Saints and I'll take Lions. Four, I think is a good amount. Um, the over here is, is going to be interesting. I think it's, it's pretty high. It's like 53. What do you have? 53, 54, but I mean, the Saints Saints are letting up a ton of points and the Saints can score a ton of points. So if it's going to be a close game, it's going to be probably over 60.
1: Yeah. I I think, I I think the Saints so far over three weeks, you've got to, You've got a question and when they're on the road as well. I, I, I think, I think I'm going to go with the Lions here. And obviously, obviously welcome aboard. Right. Welcome I, aboard
0: I, the Lions' trains. I got
1: stung, but but also as Eddie mentioned at the start of this, right? We we're starting to get some data that I can look back on, and the Saints are stinging me when I've gone with them, and they're stinging me on annoying in annoying ways as well. And I just don't think. I think the Lions are running the ball a bit at the moment, but I also think Stafford's also one of those quarterbacks that can have a really good passing day. And I just think I, I struggle with the Saints um, at the moment and it, it's more sentimental and it's more on my past, but there's gotta be upset somewhere, right? So I think that's probably
0: one of them there. So I'm going with the, I'm going with the line. Eddie, do you want a ticket? We'll give you a discounted rate. First class on the Lion's locomotive. You want it? I thought you were going to give him like a discount spread then. I was like, no, I'm not giving him like three and a half or anything like that. So I'll give him a discounted rate. I'll I'll give him the assurance that he will not be seated next to an infant, which he always does on his train rides.
2: Well, Sam, much like you, I have also been stung repeatedly by the Saints this year. But I would much rather be stung by the Saints then mauled to death by the Lions. Wow. And, oh, that would have been better if it was like a B part of the Saints. Like. Well, I'm really sorry that, I'm, I'm sorry I couldn't have it better set up, right? But <laughs> this one is easy for me. I think this is where the Saints start to look like the team people expected them to be. I mean, I, Drew Brees is done, don't get me wrong, but I think even five and a half yard completions will be good enough to beat the Lions. Um so you think you're going to be no... blessed by the saints. Oh yeah. And I, there's just in a Matt Pat- Patricia versus uh Sean Payton matchup. I am not taking Matt Patricia. So there to me it's it's easy. I would take the Saints minus 7. Okay. Ooh. But I'm I'm definitely taking them to win this game. I don't think it's going to be close.
1: Are you going to be excited I don't know for what... more Kamara runs every I mean, tackles like it's like he's dancing he's just dancing down the pitch isn't he <laughs>
2: yeah yeah no yeah i mean if you can also guarantee to me that there's going to be multiple missed tackles every time he, he picks up a ball then i'm even more confident
0: well i can frank, i can kind of guarantee you that it probably will happen
1: frank you perfect. won't know this but seemingly eddie was in such a rage that he needed to send it to me and be like this is this is unreal the missed tackles are unreal like, <laughs> I, sent whatever, eddie, I sent it to too no, I know, but if Eddie said something to me directly as well, rather than like in our chat, <laughs> it means that something's up. Eddie's not happy. But. I
2: would have done it in the chat, but the issue, the issue was, was, it was it was an Instagram video that I saw that was praising uh, okay. how he was evading such an elusive I mean, runner, you know? I mean, and so that, that's what pushed me over elusive the edge.
1: was a runner in the league. I mean, we're saying Breeze is done, right? And they've led up 31 points a game, the Saints. So are we saying that Breeze is going to score more than 31 Eddie saying yes. they're going to score thirty eight plus with the
0: seven. I don't really think the
2: won. lions. I don't think the lions are going to score thirty, but yeah, I think the the saints are going to score thirty five plus. My yeah, real I don't question think the lions here: is, score thirty, they score forty. <laughs> my, my real question here is just to flip it. If the if you are both right, well, I guess Frank thread the needle on the, the winner and the and the uh, spread. But say the lions do win this, do you have a serious conversation about uh, Jameis Winston? taking over the job from Drew Brees. No. Okay, no that way. was more convincing than last week. Yeah, we've already kind of had this. To me, if he loses this, I'm pulling him. I would put
0: in Taysom uh, Hill before I put in Winston.
2: I To me, Taysom Hill is is the kind of quarterback that he is used as now, which is this kind of utility player who gets the occasional uh, snap. I, I wouldn't want him suddenly being under center for the entire game. So I would rather put James Winston in and then have Taysom Hill still as that weapon. But I can understand if the progression was to Hill. But to me, if, if they lose this game, Breeze loses the starting job. It won't that happen, is, but it you'd
1: should. Be a, you'd, be a, you'd, oh, you'd be a hell of a coach to do that. <laughs>
0: No, you'd just be Eddie. Uh, you'd just be Eddie,
1: heartless, <laughs> heartless Eddie. Yeah. I mean, Eddie, you you got the pick last Thursday, so you can kick us off with this one. Are, are we going to see some more Fitz magic? Seahawks at the Dolphins, and the Seahawks are six and a half points favorites.
2: No, we're not. Um, even the, well, here's here's the thing: is Fitz, Fitzpatrick might still put up some big yards just because the Seahawks defensively are awful.
1: I mean, he's putting up five hundred, right? That's the average. Yeah, that's... We're, saying if, we're saying that the Dolphins are putting up 500 yards in this
2: game. Under 500, I will say. But they will. But the Saints, I think, I mean, the Saints, the Seahawks, this is a good matchup for them. Um, the, uh, uh, the Dolphins run a lot of man coverage. And I think with the wide receivers then that the Seahawks have. That's not going to pose any issues for them. They're going to have, pl- they're going to have people open all the time. And so I'm pretty confident that they will continue to score a lot of points this week. As I said, on, on Monday, I'm not confident they're going to be able to do that for the full season and postseason. But yeah, this week I'm, I'm, I'm confident that they'll win and cover the spread.
0: Yeah. Um, I'll agree. I think Seattle is the much better team here. Statistically, they do have the worst pass defense in the NFL, but you're going up against decent teams they were playing that could throw the ball. The Dolphins aren't as good uh, from a quarterback standpoint and from a receiving core standpoint. So I will trust Russell Wilson. Let him let him cook. Just let him keep cooking. I mean, what's he what's he throwing inside so like 15
1: touchdowns in the um, three weeks. So averaging five a game. yeah, simultaneously, the defense is so bad that they're letting 500 a game yardage. If it's Patrick, he's prone to errors. So, it, but if he plays well, they're going to put up a big score. Uh, it doesn't. It's almost irrelevant because the Seahawks will probably post a bigger score. But the Seahawks don't blow teams away. I think in the last three weeks, they haven't blown teams away. They've just put up slightly more points than the other team. And for me. This is going to annoy me, and I know you guys will fight me back. But the Seahawks will win, but I think it will be closer than six and a half suggests. Because I just think they're so defensively prone to letting yardage that they can't get away from teams. And for that reason, I'll probably take the Seahawks, but I think it will be closer than six and a half suggests. Just because it's it's ridiculously unpredictable. But the Seahawks don't blow teams away. So,
2: Well, another one back on, in the contest. <laughs>
1: At least I get the money line on it, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Frank, you can kick us off. Uh, Giants at the Rams and the Rams are twelve and a half point favorites. Uh,
0: Do we talk about this or are we all just go in Rams, twelve and a no. half? I'll go Rams, Rams. Pretty easy. Um yeah. I mean golf. I'll,
2: I'll be quick too. Golf
0: looks good. I'll be quick. Golf looks pretty good. The Rams offense looks good. They're passing well. The Giants, I've said it. Week in and week out, they have the worst secondary in the entire NFL. I don't care about statistics. You can just look at them. They look terrible. Uh, yeah, it. Sh- I would take minus 20 even maybe. So, Really?
2: I, I wouldn't go as high as minus 20, but, yeah, I'm taking the Rams both. The 12.5 to me feels as if it's kind of around the right number, so it almost tempts me into taking the Giants uh, with the points, but I'm going to take, take the Rams.
0: You yeah. sure? You don't want
2: the Giants, Eddie? You can take them. No, 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 no. I've, I've made that mistake once so far this year, but no. I'll...
0: And I'll yeah. also just point out, because I hate Dave Gettleman, and I think he's an absolute idiot when it comes to drafting. He picked Andrew Thomas as the offensive tackle when he had other ones on the board, and he swore, swears by how good he is. Only three games, I understand, but after three games, he has let up the most QB pressures in the entire NFL and every other tackle taken after him has about half the amount he has. So another phenomenally terrible pick by Gentleman.
1: I think the good thing about this spread as well is similar to the Ravens one, is that it's, it must've hurt the Rams losing like they did to the Bills, right? What, up 28-3? Um, it, it, was, it was crazy. So I, I think this is one of those games where the Rams just won't let up on the Giants and they'll
2: completely- No, the, the th- Bills were up.
1: Sorry, wrong way, yeah, yeah, wrong way around. Um the Rams fought back. Yeah. But it, it must be smart to lose a game like that, to just fight back the way you did and still lose it. And I just think they'll have a point to prove and they'll just put the Giants to the sword completely.
0: So yeah, I can see this being an absolute blowout to be honest. So yeah, so um, you're doing the Eddie pick, picking a team after a loss. Yeah. I I I just think it's it. smart.
2: Always a good move.
0: It is a good move.
1: Um what's up next? Uh, speaking of Josh Allen's bills, um, they're at the Raiders and the Bills are three point favorites.
2: Eddie? I'll be quick here. I've been I've been writing the bills all all year. I'm not gonna stop now. I don't believe in the Raiders at all. I think they've been flattered by some of their recent scores and, and wins. And I'm gonna take the Bills to win and cover the spread.
1: Yeah, Raiders are yeah, I... pretty poor defensively. I'm I'm all
0: about Josh Allen, right? Can't stop now. Oh, you love who do you like more alan or burrow is the question oh, that's tough i need to meet him who's the got, who's got more cute
2: butt <laughs> and also say hypothetically say hypothetically you had both of them at the same time oh wow which one would be at which end
1: it's getting hot in here i don't have a window open are you asking how would the eiffel tower work
2: exactly who's getting who's getting the mouth
0: so you've automatically assumed that Sam's oh, Sam the Sam's the middle question. Yeah,
2: yeah. uh, okay, spit race lifeth towel, whatever you want to call it. I'm gonna Lee. go. I think Josh Allen Oh you're giving me a real answer. I <laughs> don't, think, don't answer that. I think we're Josh gonna lose Allen, five viewers from I'm, this. I'm, I'm,
1: I think I think no, no no, this is more general. I think Josh Allen is a less gentle lover than Burroughs.
2: <laughs> wow. <laughs>
1: I'm gonna go What with a headline. At the well,
0: front. I now know what our Instagram picture for this episode is going to be.
2: <laughs> Interesting. That yeah. is the type of football analysis that you will get nowhere else. That's true. Yeah. The
1: variation. How we've all got to the same bills covering the spread is very different.
0: Oh. Some podcasts may tell you Josh Allen is a tough guy. Some may even tell you he's a tough lover, but none of them <laughs> will ever tell you where he would lie in an Eiffel Tower situation, <laughs> except this one.
2: Yeah, cool. we're finding um, our niche. Essentially,
1: game of the week: Pats at the Chiefs. Um, Chiefs are six. Oh, so I went Bills, favorite.
2: Bills
0: for that one as well. Yeah, I, I got that. Okay. <laughs>
1: Um, I, I think game of the week, right? Pats and the Chiefs. Um, could have argued that the Steelers-Titans was game of the week because both are 3-0, and but the Chiefs seems like the game to watch, right?
2: In a weird way, I would actually say the game of the week is kind of Cowboys-Browns. Not because it promises to be the best game, but because you know there's kind of more on the line. It's, there's a lot on the line here for the Pats just because if the Bills win and the Pats lose, it starts to become hard for them to win the division. But there's not a lot on the line here for the chiefs. Uh, I do think this is a really nice for them to play the, the, the Patriots the week after having played the Ravens, because you've just had to deal with one mobile quarterback and you're going into a system, you're playing kind of a similar system the following week. So that's sort of nice for them in terms of preparing. I'm disappointed because this line was seven and it's moved to six and a half. I'm, I'm happy about that because I'm going to pick the Chiefs, so it like dropping under seven is nice, but I'm disappointed because I had the stat that this was only the third time... I had it too. The third time in 18 years that they've been favored. They've been underdogs by seven or more points. So oh, mine's
0: a little different, took Eddie. Stat.
2: Oh, really? What was yours?
0: It's been 19 years since the Pats failed to cover as a seven-plus-point underdog.
2: Yeah, I guess, though... When you then know my stat and that's, that yeah, it's only, they've only <laughs> been underdogs by seven points twice. It's not, that's not that meaningful. Yeah. But, but, uh, yeah, no, I'm taking, I'm taking the Chiefs. Yeah. I'm,
1: I'm going Chiefs as well. And, um, I think they'll cover that six and a half. And I, I, I actually had a, well, I think a similar point, really, that they're playing against, um, a quarterback that plays very similar to Lamar Jackson. And for that reason, I can't really see how the Chiefs would somehow underperform against what is a, you know, not a hugely worse team, but a slightly worse team, uh, given similar circumstance, similar environment, similar everything. So I think six and a half, and I think they'll cover it.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go Chiefs to win, Chiefs to cover. I I can't wait to hear, because I'm sure we will, that the pats are going to do the let's run the ball and slow the game down to slow down the chiefs and i still to this day really don't understand what that means because yes maybe the chiefs won't score 45 but if they score on 90 percent of their possessions anyway they're going to score less but they're still going to be scoring the same like percentage wise so unless you can still keep up with them even though you're slowing the game down. If you can't score every drive as well, then you're gonna lose no matter what, whether it's, you know, the Chiefs scoring 40 or the Chiefs scoring 30. So either way, I think the Chiefs are gonna win. And now that it's under seven, I definitely think the Chiefs should cover that.
1: Um, Next game's Eagles at the 49ers. The spreads seven point favorites for the Niners. Um, I think I saw that, was it Mostert, Garoppolo, and Kittle might be back? Is, is that is that true? If so, the seven seems crazy. And Kittle yeah, for sure. Seemed,
0: yeah. Garoppolo yeah, I mean, maybe. And even... Uh, what the, how, I forget I mean, how you Mostert.
2: say his name. Mustard. Yeah. I think I think Mustard um, and uh, Jimmy G kind of don't matter that much. Even Kittle, when you look at how they managed to... I actually think... In the long run, some of these injuries will benefit the Niners because it's made them get other receivers involved in the game in a way that they wouldn't have done. So in some ways, towards the end of the year, they might look back and be happy about the fact that they were missing. Now, not both of being out for the year and those things, but in terms of having Kittle gone for a couple weeks and and all of that, that, they might be happy about that come sort of the playoff time. Uh, I'm going to take the Niners, and it's more just a reflection of the fact that I watched almost all of the Eagles game last week and they were so bad they are it's just, just bad <laughs> it's just difficult for me to imagine it kind of seems like a classic game where they'll now bounce back and look pretty decent that's kind of often how things work and the seven points is right on the edge of where I would feel comfortable uh, with the Niners um, but still the the Eagles just looked awful and they're just their energy is really bad and that to me is the bigger thing I think a lot of them are already checked out and have accepted the fact that even though their division is still all to play for I think a lot of them just know they're not good. And so I'm, I'm going to take the Niners and to cover. Yeah, mean you guys want to
0: take a guess for the league's lowest rated passer so far?
2: Well, I mean, because you're bringing it up yeah. now, <laughs> I'm going to guess it's Carson Wentz.
0: Wrong. No. <laughs> yeah, Carson Wentz. I don't see that changing much against a good Niners defense. I'll take Niners and Niners to cover. And I hope Jimmy G doesn't come back because Nick Mullins is better anyway, so. Across the board then.
1: So, um, well, final game. But I think what will be good is probably to get the Steelers-Titans opinion anyway. But um, Falcons are the Packers. So, I mean, the question is, how late in the game are the Packers going to be behind before they win?
2: Yeah, I don't think that scenario is going to happen again but I will say I'm going to take the Packers to win, but I am actually going to take the Falcons with the points okay. just because I think the spread's a little bit high and the Falcons have shown that they can score. So at that moment, I'm a little bit worried to start to take a team to beat them by more than seven. I mean, cause they have shown that they're in, you know, they're in every game. Um, but yeah, the Packers have looked great so far this year. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to pick the Falcons to actually turn things around and hold on to a lead, but I'll take them with the points.
0: Samesies, I think Packers will win, Falcons will cover. This I thought to me, because I always, I do my teasers and I like to have the final one be the Monday night game. And this is one of those classic ones. What is the current spread right now? Um, So at the moment it's seven. Oh, do you mean seven? right now it hasn't moved over? Okay, seven. So would you rather have Packers minus one or Falcons plus 13.
2: I know it sounds odd because I've taken the Falcons with the points, but I'd rather have the pal- the Packers minus <laughs> one.
0: It's a really tough one because I'm the same <laughs> way. I, I'm taking the Falcons to cover the spread, but yet if you offered it to me that way, I kind of almost want to take the Packers minus one.
2: Well, I just had to say, which would I be more surprised by? The Packers winning by 10 points? Say hypothetically, 10 points or the... Falcons losing, uh, the Falcons winning, and I'd be more surprised by the Falcons winning than I would be by the Packers winning by ten. So on that basis, I would rather just know that I just want the Packers to win. I'm I'm
1: going Packers, but I I, I go against you. I think they'll cover that spread. Um not much to say really. Glad I, to hear I, it. I just I just think it's tough. I, I just think it's tough with that Falcons team. I just I just don't think they understand how to win. Um with that problem of the collapsing that they keep happening and i i just think for that reason then i don't know i just can't see it i can't see it anymore i haven't actually backed them that often as you two so i think i would say you guys are probably doing it more on <laughs> like your past bets but yeah i'm gonna go with the packers to cover that spread i think rogers looks great and i think that will be to the pack uh falcons detriment so um do you guys want to give your tie steelers or does it not matter we- i would have taken the steelers but
2: we, I'm not going to. I'm not going to go too in depth.
1: Do we put it in there because when they do play, we run it against week three? Uh, sorry, week four.
2: No, no, no because I you could, you I could make my pick now, and then you tell me when they play. Like Big Ben's out, and I'm I don't want my pick to be locked in. That's
1: Big Ben dead. That's the anti-post choice you make, non-runner.
2: <laughs> no bet. Okay, yeah, I've got <laughs> Big Ben as a non-runner. <laughs> non-runner, no bet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um,
1: I guess, what's your pick? So, um, Frank's gone Burrows, what is it, over 300?
0: Yeah. I love it.
1: A couple of lines you teased in there already. Um, Which one are you posting?
2: Uh, So, my bet of the week is going to be, I'm going to go for another one of my little little accumulators. Uh, But I'm going to be, so I'm going to take the Colts to win, Mm -hmm. the Saints to win, and the Seahawks to win and uh Ooh. that pays 3.37 i like the colts as well I, I think that's a pretty good one
1: um i'm gonna go to the bengals uh, bit of Burroughs magic there <laughs> and you
0: love the fucking bengals that's, <laughs> I, that's it's really it's,
1: bold. it's really interesting i just think it's gonna be good value against the jags i just i just see it there um t- to be fair I wouldn't even know what else really. There's a couple of other ones I like, but I probably, I probably just actually take uh, the Colts on the spread and the Bengals to win outright. I think that'll probably pay like a two, two and a half to one. So,
0: yeah, I'll probably go with that as my pick. You have to find me what the current um, odds are for Burrow over three
2: hundred, or we might have to wait until Sunday to see it yeah i think I mean, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to wait on that one a of the a lot of the player props don't don't come up until, until later on yeah
1: yeah and not, now line. that
2: I've tipped it, who knows what it's going to come out as oh yeah the line's <laughs> definitely going to shift
1: yeah. all right so which one which one are you guys watching like if you if you had like a star game to watch the browns?
2: early game i'll probably mostly focus on the focus on the browns cowboys then the chiefs patriots and then obviously the niners eagles cool yeah
0: for me i have to watch the giants unfortunately so but that is the afternoon game which is nice because there's not many afternoon games except you said the um the Chiefs Chiefs, the pa- game, right? Chiefs Patriots is an
2: afternoon game. Yeah.
0: So that's fine, though, because then I can put the Chiefs on the TV because I'm sure that one will be on CBS. And then I can just put the Giants on my laptop
2: so I can smash my laptop and break it. The Bills nice. Raiders is the, is the other afternoon game. So that's, that's a pretty intriguing game as well. Yeah. I think,
1: I think for me, I want to watch the uh, Dolphins Seahawks. I think that would be a good one. I think we've got a massive score there. Um, so I, th- I think I want to watch that one.
2: And I just want to say if my bet of the week wins because they're all early games, I'm going to then advise rolling it all over onto the chiefs Rams bills money line. So you can you can kind oh. of think of it as a six you could kind of think of it as a six-fold but it's not really but uh, that's that pays 2.43 on that on that threefold.
1: So you don't fancy the six-fold.
2: I just I sometimes like the idea that you like you you, you, you separate it because even though it's two three folds, I feel mentally as if you're less likely to win a six fold than you are to win two three folds. There's absolutely zero logic behind that, but it's just <laughs> the way I feel <laughs> in my head.
1: There's Wait, a superstition coming. Why don't through you there. also just throw
2: in the Niners in there? I'm I'm not, not, I'm not. I'm, 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 not I, I'm leaving the Niners out from. I'm 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 calling them a. Soft stay away for most people. Oh.
0: Eddie, not so confident on the Niners anymore? Niners Nation's going to be furious when they hear this. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes sometimes
2: you just get a feeling, and and this is one of those weeks just, just have that feeling.
0: You've got a feeling.
1: Exactly, yeah. You ruined my eardrums with that pitch then.
2: Just before we go to the arc preview, because I know that we'll have a lot of people interested in, in our picks for that, just worth noting, I'm sure Sam has seen, but maybe Frank, you haven't, that there was the Champions League draw today for the group stages. And doesn't we don't need to go into too much detail about it, but I will say, interesting that Juventus and Barcelona have been drawn in the same group, which means that Messi and Ronaldo will play against each other for the first time in the group stages of the Champions League. So that's the kind of highlight but apart from that, a few other interesting matchups with PSG being the same group as Manchester United. And uh, also you have uh, Real Madrid and Inter Milan in the same group and Bayern Munich and Atletico Madrid in the same group. So a few sort of marquee matchups in the group stage. Real Madrid and in who? Inter Milan.
0: Oh, okay. And when does that start?
2: Oh, <laughs> once they're back, they have the international break coming up and then they go back, and so a couple weeks away. Um, okay. The, the one thing that's interesting to note is usually Manchester City are tremendously unlucky with their groups and just their draw overall, but this time they've actually been given a fairly easy group with Porto, Olympiacos, and Marseille. So at least Manchester City might be in an opportunity, might have the chance to kind of occasionally rest players in the Champions League group stages, which would be new for them, yeah. and also progress relatively easily.
1: It's kind of like a Europa League tricky group, isn't it, that one? And then Man City yeah. is like the standout.
2: Although Liverpool have also have, have a relatively easy group and that they got Ajax, Atalanta, and Midtland. And although Atalanta did well in the Champions League last year and Ajax over the past couple of years have been consistently good in Europe, you'd still say Liverpool will look at that and think that they it's relatively straightforward.
1: So which one are you marking as like the group of death then?
2: Um I would actually say the PSG United group because you also have Leipzig in there. So that's a tricky match. Um apart from that it's tough to pick out a group where there's three really difficult. You know, there's there's obviously tough group, tough top 2, but it tends to drop off in the for the third or fourth place teams. For example with the Juventus Barcelona group, I don't think either of them will be worried about playing Dynamo Kiev or Ferenc Savaros, however, you're supposed to say <laughs>
1: Ferenc Szvaros. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so, uh, I think I think the PSG United Leipzig um, might be the only time where you think that one of those three could finish in the top two and sort of disrupt the the two you'd think would be favourites on paper.
1: Yeah, there's some there's some awkward groups though, like um, the Zenit group. Um, it's pretty weak. You know, Dortmund are like the standout team, but it's one of those ones where like they're all equally good to average. So it makes it like an interesting uh, group because you think Dortmund will win the group, but honestly, below that, Bruges all right. They, what, they beat Madrid um, in Madrid last year. Um, Zenit is always difficult to go to those Russian games, especially when it comes to like the winter, like no one, no one goes there. No one wants to go there. And then like Lazio is always a tricky team anyway. So it's like, I always find that I wouldn't call it a group of death. It's not like the difficult teams, but they're all difficult for each other. I think it's probably.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, the the what you would think are the least interesting groups, in a way, are the most interesting. But yeah, no, it's hard to pick up that group that has three sort of top quality teams. But yeah, no, it's should be some interesting interesting matches from it. And without a, with that out of the way, I guess we can really get onto the the big. Big event of the weekend, and do our do our arc preview. I know that both Sam and Frank are really disappointed because a that the horse that they've been eagerly waiting to watch run in the arc is not going to be there in Gaieth. And yep. the the horse and my is second
0: pro- favorite horse I wanted to see in the yeah, arc has <laughs> been with. You.
2: So love is also out. Um, so it's maybe not the all star cast that we spoke about a couple months ago, but I still think it's a very good renewal of the arc. And uh, I guess, Frank, you've spent the last four or five months talking about how bad Enable is. It's now very much a firm favorite. So who are you picking to win the arc?
0: This is a really tough one. I don't, it's the first thing I will say is, I think from now on, we're gonna have to cool our jets in our, three-month ARC (laughs) reviews. (laughs) (laughs) Calling it the greatest ARC ever because we've definitely cursed that. Uh, So for me, you have obviously Enable, who now definitely should be the favorite. I mean, that's without a doubt. She deserves to be favorite. From there, you're looking at two... Mystery horses, I would still say with O'Brien and Eddie can give us his, his O'Brien Aiden O'Brien stats, but mogul sometimes looks like it could be a great horse and then other times completely shits the bed. So I don't know if you have a lot of trust in that horse considering it's got to have shifted down now to what three or four to one. I don't have the no, Stradiv-
2: Stradivarius is the firm second favorite. So it's Stradivarius who money is coming for in a yeah. sense in opposition yeah,
0: uh, yeah. to Enable. So, yeah. So so just getting back to the O'Briens, I mean you, you have Mogul and then you have Serpentine who, you know, had that crazy derby where it it went out and never looked back and it in its comeback run in France it didn't look great, but which is pretty surprising for Aiden O'Brien, he was out before the race even saying look, this horse desperately needs this run. Mm-hmm. Don't expect that much. We're completely prepping it for the arc. Does that kind of worry me? Yes, but in the same breath, I still don't believe that Darby victory is a legitimate superstar horse victory. Um, I think it was just one of those ones where everyone was caught by surprise. So out of those two, I don't know if I take any of them. I probably would have taken Stradivarius just because I like the story and I, I really love the horse, but it's shifted so much now that I don't know if it's worth taking a horse that we know so far this year hasn't won at that distance or a distance close to that, you know, not, not just this races.
2: year, not, not, not just this year ever, ever. It's not an issue. That...
0: It's been seriously tested this year it, to see if it could do it. The ground helps it. Will. Yes. Yeah, and that's true. I I, I guess that's a good factor. The ground helps it if it's if it continues to rain and it gets softer and softer. Then a horse that has that extra stamina could be effective. The the ground staff have already come out and said don't rule out heavy. Uh, they
1: I, I think well Eddie Eddie's obviously in Paris so he could probably give us the forecast. But apparently there was like eighteen millimeters. <laughs> Eddie, can you like can yesterday? you stick the stick out?
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, can you put
0: the stick in your in your cobble What well, is is it called
1: like uh, have you seen what they do it's like a penetrometer it's called or something like that where it's like a it stick, it stick basically yeah yeah but, yeah yeah but it's called like a penetrometer <laughs>
0: and I was, I was no and, like, no sam you've, the, the penetratometer <laughs> is what you use <laughs> <laughs> who, would,
2: who, would, who would get who would get to use that joe burrow or a? <laughs> <laughs> well that's actually josh allen's nickname the penetratometer oh, okay.
1: yeah. <laughs>
2: Oh, it's heavy ground. <laughs> but so just I... to just to give you Sam, because you you obviously kind of started off by looking at the um, O'Brien horses as kind of the as as a starting point of where to break it down. Just to give you the current odds on his set of horses, you have uh, Serpentine at eleven to one, Japan at twelve to one, Mogul at fourteen to one. Um, and BT. then you have wait, what was Serpentine? 11 11 to 1 it's the shortest price of the o'brien set and then you have sovereign at 40 to 1.
0: Um, see i kind of like mogul then at that price out of those i mean it it won its trial at the same distance on the same course i think the
1: ground matters really matters and mogul has won on nothing except good um i See, this is weird because it's actually going to sound hypocritical when I say this, but I actually, I feel like there has to be something with Serpentine, right? There has to be something with that Derby performance. Uh, Frank said exactly what I was going to say about the fact that Brian came out and said, look, desperately needs to run. We We always thought of this horse as a horse that likes a bit of give in the ground. That's how they saw Serpentine getting developed. So they they think it's probably good on soft ground. They don't know, because it's only had two runs. But they they supplemented him with a lot of money. And after that race, O'Brien said, I will only supplement it if they think it runs a good race in that, I, I can't remember the name of the race, but it got beaten by four lengths in Paris. Um,
2: and the, the Grand Prix de Paris.
1: That's it. And there has to be something, right? aiden o'brien there has to be some level of confidence like i know it's drawn it's drawn high in the stalls as well which is traditionally seen as a disadvantage but uh i think the fun fact i saw um trying to remember if this is right or not i can't remember if i'm mixing up my stats but the last horse to win the derby and the arc was golden horn and golden horn is still the same as serpentine in this race and so it yeah.
2: shows that it you know, can you know be. With, you know the issue with that stat, though. Uh-oh. Golden Horn was just a much better horse. <laughs> that's the thing. I think, well, we don't know.
1: I think there's an unknown quantity about Serpentine. And the thing is, O'Brien is talking okay, him up. O'Brien is talking up Serpentine. Then, hold on, but also, they're just, putting no, money.
2: No, no, no. I need to nip this in the bud a bit. O'Brien talks all of his horses up. O'Brien coming into this race is saying people, Don't give up on Japan. The reason why Japan is coming to this race is because we still think it's a top quality horse that will win group ones. He's saying, okay, Mogul got off to a bad start this year. We still believe in Mogul. Even if it hasn't proven itself in these kind of conditions, we like Mogul a lot. Serpentine, Oh, it's what O'Brien does. In a way, he, he sticks all these horses in the race. He speaks positively about all of them. And then no matter what happens at the end of the day, if one of them wins, he'll say, oh yeah, we always knew that.
1: I mean,
0: it's, it's worth noting that Ryan Moore cho- is choosing Mogul well, over Serpentine.
1: I mean, Sumilion was already on Serpentine, right? Like before Yeah, but was, I mean, Moore more gets choice. I mean, even he came out, uh, Christoph Sumilion, like he, he came out and said, I don't think this also have a problem with what he described as very soft ground at the time. I just think, I, here's the thing, right? Um, Stradivarius is a bit of what do I need to know here
2: you're talking it up are you picking it to win Sam or are we spending all this time for you to tell us you know <laughs> Okay, Serpentine?
1: yeah, okay. No, no, No. I am picking Serpentine to win and around the reasons being is that I I actually think There's several things that go against Enable at that price. I think Um, what is it? One in the last hundred arcs have been won by a horse over the age of five Um, Enable six has Enable run against anything this year no. Uh, well yeah it, it did but it as lost the, as the ground gets softer as the ground gets softer hold on a,
2: hold on a second wait wait, wait
1: wait i'll, I'll make no a no it point, thoroughly but,
2: it, no 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 because no, you, you you can't make points that aren't true it thoroughly beat japan and japan is sixth favorite for this race
1: but i think japan's terrible so this is my analysis of you know it. who doesn't so Aiden O'Brien, another thing, another thing i'm matters. saying is that That is an old horse. Enable, relatively speaking, for winning arcs is an old horse at six. It's going to retire after this. If that ground keeps getting softer, are you saying that that horse is going to be five to four or should be five to four? when it hasn't been tested and when it was tested was when it was 80% as you said against Gaeth I don't think you can back a horse at 5-4 to on that, it may win it probably could, it probably should but I just think there's too many variables against it at that price, if the ground keeps getting softer and it's meant to I think there's a case for it being a younger horse a more unpredictable horse and maybe more of an unknown and that's why I think I'm going with the price and Serpentine which may come back and bite me and it probably will but I'm, I'm going with
0: serpent time for that reason. What a surprise. Sam picks the phallus-shaped named horse. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you think a serpent is phallus-shaped? Well, in the sense it's a <laughs> snake in your pants, right? Like, that's, yeah, of Oh, God. oh okay,
1: okay, okay.
2: But look, okay, let's let's break down some of what you just said. To me the only O'Brien horse that can be taken seriously in this race is Mogul. Everything else you're just you're you're really just going on total unknowns. Well, in Japan's case it's not an unknown. You're just assuming that it's a better horse than it's shown over the course of this season, but
0: Yeah, I I don't case, know how you can back Japan. I don't know anyone who at this point would say I'm backing Japan.
2: Uh but to me the the issue with Mogul it's not proven to be necessarily great on this ground it's not consistent it rarely has back-to-back good runs so in a a weird way the fact that it won last time out is almost more of a concern this time out serpentine i'm just not willing to roll the dice on a horse that's had been raced what three times in his career just not doing it and and last time okay it looked oh when you break down the the sort of sectionals of its times looked decent and it was the only horse that was up with the pace that finished anywhere close to the winning horse in, in Mogul. Still finished considerably further behind Mogul. Oh, so
1: four legs, I think, wasn't it?
2: Yeah. So the idea that it's got a lot to find on a horse that most of us don't think is going to win the race. So that, that to me is a little bit, little bit of a challenge. Enable is probably a little bit too short, but it's still the most likely winner. And, and that to me is the issue. I, I would bet that on the day, at least in the UK, it's going to go off odds on. We, we've seen Enable race in very heavy ground and handle mm-hmm. it perfectly well.
1: As the, a young, The ARC horse.
2: last year, a year younger, the ARC last year was in heavy ground. And okay, it finished second, but I don't think anyone would turn around and say that Enable didn't handle the ground.
1: Yeah, but it's a year older and I haven't seen it do anything pre-race that suggests that it will... All of challenge. its times
2: right now, all of its times right now match up perfectly with its its performances at age four and five.
0: Okay. So I guess the other thing is, what about the French horses? You know, I think more often than not, right, the French horses are winning this race. You know, besides Enable, which is kind of the anomaly here for it's, winning the last few. Is it Scott Sass? Is the... Like
1: kind of best priced uh, best priced French horse right
0: yeah, so, and so. it's success has looked okay this year, um you know it's been in some big races and done okay I, I mean its last race though it wasn't too great, it was behind magical and Gaeth in that um Irish champion stake race, so maybe that was just a stepping stone, you know they were I'm sure that they were full steam for the arc. I I can imagine that was their main target. So maybe that was just uh, a stepping stone and now it's much more fit for this race. But, you know, if, if that's the best Irish horse there, is that going to be good enough to be enable?
2: I am. I think success is one of the more likely winners apart from enable, but I was pretty disappointed. It's last two outings have not been good. So I know that a couple months ago, I tipped it as a sort of likely outsider, I don't have a lot of confidence in it based on those last two runs. I didn't see a lot there to like. And I think that's true of a couple of the other horses that I maybe would have been tempted. There was uh, also um, Rabiha or Rabaya that uh, finished second in the in the Vermeer last time, which is a pretty decent arc trial normally. And it was off the pace and picked up reasonably well, but I don't think there was anything there to indicate that it's going to progress from that to being an arc winner. The really interesting horse in this race to me in a way is Persian King. Okay. Persian King is totally untested over this distance. It's the reverse of Stradivarius, right? So you've got Stradivarius dropping down and you have to hope that as the ground gets heavier, maybe the stamina becomes more of a question and it kind of plays into Stradivarius's hands. With Persian King, it's stepping up in distance and I don't know why you would think that a horse stepping up in distance and then going to be in really testing conditions is going to be able to beat world-class horses over that over distances over a distance they prefer so Persian Kings like relatively short in the betting and the only reason I can think of that is it's because it's Andre Farb and he's won the arc eight times so if you're just backing if you're just kind of going based on trainers he's the one to back but it it seems kind of to me when I look at it, it it just feels like he he otherwise he wouldn't have had a horse in the race, and it just feels like he threw in a horse that he thinks has maybe a modicum of a chance as just a way of actually being able to turn up on the day and say he has, says he has another horse in the Ark, but the Persian Kings to me that's the price in when I look through all the betting that's the price that stuns me the most. Stuns us yeah, It Stuns as in how
1: like. Low it is short for it never is. having how, race. How short it is basically. Okay.
2: Yeah, I would, I mean, and then given also the conditions, right. I, I wouldn't back Persian King at four, 40 to one. So the fact that you see, see it in some places around 14, that kind of blows my mind. Well, for I wouldn't example, back the, it at
0: 45 to one Eddie. So fuck off.
2: <laughs> well, when you look, for example, to me, wow. one horse, that I, one horse I like is an each way bet is way to Paris. Who's had his best season? I mean, mm. it goes against everything you think, Sam, because to Paris is seven years old, so mm. everything, based <laughs> in your logic, should hate it. Yeah. But had the best season of it, had the best season of its career, well tested and proven in these kind of conditions. Yeah. So I think, I think you can get it around forty to one, and so as a as an each way bet, I think that could be an interesting one.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think this kind of ground throws up. Potentials like that. It it makes it more unpredictable in that sense. I I think um, Yeah, I could see that. Not, I'm not agreeing with it, but I can see your logic.
2: So Sam, uh, you're going serpentine. I'm Uh going enable Frank, who, who, who you uh, picking as your single winner?
0: As my winner or what would my bet be?
2: Who do you think will win? Ignore the prices. Who do you think will win? I think enable will win. Oh god, that must have hurt you to say. (laughs) Are you worried about the curse, Eddie? A little bit, but what are you going to do? Enable will not lose.
1: (laughs) Now are you? No, because when
2: it's when it's not genuine, it doesn't matter.
1: Uh, (laughs) won't lose because it will be withdrawn. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I I think (laughs) I think Enable is the most likely winner. (laughs) (laughs) So Eddie loses all his money, and then because it's
2: withdrawn, and then. No, I've all got, I've got no non-runner, non bet on am all mine. Ah, but, uh, and the other race, I mean, there's, there's good races across the card on Sunday and Saturday, but the other one that really, uh, well, two more, I guess, but one in particular that really catches my eye is the Prix de la Foray, uh, where you'll have another horse going to try and win a race at Longchamp on Arc Weekend for the third time, which is one master that has won this race the last two renewals and now is going for the third. But Earthlight is actually favorite. And you also have uh, Safe Voyage as another interesting one from coming over from the UK. So a really interesting race. I quite like uh, Safe Voyage given the ground conditions. Uh, I definitely don't like Earthlight, so I'll be taking it on with both One Master and Safe Voyage. But uh, it be interesting. I know, Frank, you've been a little bit of a fan at Earth, of Earthlight at different moments this season.
0: Yeah, I'll stick with Earthlight. I've been burned so many times on one master this year already. Uh, what's it got? Five seconds this year already. It's due. It's due. Yeah, <laughs> I, maybe it's due, but I I can't trust it. And I think Earthlight will come back to what they thought it was going to be in being a top sprinter, seven furlong horse. So I'll, I'll stick with Earthlight.
1: Did you manage to get your media tickets, Eddie, for Longchamp?
2: No, they ignored me. Worth noting on this one, actually, interesting stats, which I've seen in several places about this with the Prix de la Foray, when you're mentioning seven furlong horses. The Prix de la Foray is listed as a seven furlong race, but actually isn't seven furlongs when you map it out. So it's closer to six and a half furlongs. Just worth keeping in mind for a horse like Safe Voyage that tends to sort of like to sprint from a distance, actually the stamina it's it's saving a few a couple hundred yards in that in that situation is that just a mess up by whoever measured it
1: out the first time (laughs) is that like some sort of like like historical error that's just maintained
2: i think it's probably one of those things that they maybe set the race up at a time when i know i mean they've been at the same track for forever right Uh, and even with the renovations they didn't touch the actual course it's probably one of those things when they just at some moment just called it a seven furlong race and then the fact that it's off by a couple hundred yards, they thought probably didn't matter too much, but it might.
1: Yeah, that's kind of an interesting one, really, isn't I, it? especially when horses. I, I guess mean, it means it's, it's really a blowout at those kind of seven furlong marks.
2: I guess it's one of those things. It means that if on Sunday you back a horse and it just loses, but then overtakes the eventual winner, you know, a couple strides after the line, I guess you can call your bookmaker and try and argue that it it actually won over seven furlongs. I would
1: love, you would be exactly the person in a bookmaker to do that. <laughs>
2: like, hey, give it a go. You never know.
1: Yeah. Imagine like Ollie and me in the bookies just <laughs> absolutely not
2: listening to you. But I mean, I think there, as, as I said, there's other great races going on. So, and we can't go into detail on all of them. So, it's going to be a great weekend, great weekend in Paris. But one person who will probably be having a tamer weekend in Paris this time around is uh, Ocean Murphy, who uh, it went public today that he failed a drugs test in Paris, a test that was taken in. Paris well in France in July and he was notified in August that he'd failed this drugs test for cocaine making him the fourth high-profile British jockey in the last sort of 15 years to fail a drugs test. Interestingly enough almost all of them went in France so it seems that British jockeys go to Paris or Shanti and go on these wild cocaine binges uh, which somehow I've never come across them. And, you know, I'm going to the wrong bars. I want to go across. I want to go to some of these bars where these these tiny millionaires are just doing lines of coke everywhere. But, I was so, say, you're
0: about a foot and a half too tall.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe I've been there and I just haven't been able to see them.
0: <laughs> it's even better when they do it with the horses though, right? <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah.
0: This, this is a tough one. I mean, he has come out very strongly denying it. Um, And has even called up several of um, different people in the industry that, you know, have decent relationships with him and told, told them privately, you know, that he, there's no way that this is real, that this is, you know, something with the test gone wrong. It's, it's a false positive. Um, He then, I think, obviously they're going to do the B, the B sample and test that, but he's also given additional samples or something like that. Um, so he's he had, very, he
2: tests, very adamant. He independently had tests run on his hair um, that he paid for. And he had himself filmed having clippings taken from his hair and then the test yeah. being done. And supposedly the cocaine traces would have still been in his hair had he been failing the test from sort of six weeks prior or whenever that that test had been taken. Yeah. Um, and yeah, his his B sample hasn't been... Uh, yeah. tested yet but yeah he, he very firmly denies ever having take ever having used cocaine so
0: in fact he denies having ever used any drugs was i think his statement he's never used drugs before ever um it's... and to to me he is the person i would kind of trust his word on he he doesn't look like someone who's ripping lines of cocaine in a paris bar at night um you know he's He's been great for the sport in the sense that he's very public on social media. So I obviously follow him on Instagram, and he puts video videos up a lot, you know, throughout the days in between races.
2: And I think that he's public on Instagram. He's public on Instagram, so that when he goes into a club, people recognize him and they give him free (laughs) little baggies of coke.
0: No, but just watching what he does on Instagram, he seems extremely dedicated to the sport and not the type of person who, like other people who have tested positive, you know, mainly, frankly, Dettori, looks like someone who is enjoying being the celebrity, being in the limelight, being in the spotlight. Yeah, Whereas Murphy. (laughs) Yeah. Whereas Murphy kind of looks like, you know, the professional who's just doing his job day in and day out. So, I, I mean, I'll take his word for it, whether... We'll see. The only thing that makes me nervous as I've pointed out to Eddie several times is the person he's kind of taken up as his mentor that he does post with on Instagram, albeit not out, but you know, when they're in the, the, the weighing room and, and the changing room, stuff like that is in fact Tory. and it looks like Tory's kind of almost taken him under his wing to be like his apprentice. So in that instance, it's very, very worrying, but I, I, the fact that he's come out so strongly, uh, that would really, really backfire if he came Which, out that strongly. And it's, yeah, no,
2: it's a bad look for him if it turns. Now, here's the thing: is I don't know what happens if his B his B sample comes back positive as well. I, he can appeal it and everything, and I don't know what the then the hair follicle tests will do relative to the test that was sort of carried out by the French racing authorities. He also could be find himself, because the ban is six months, if he uh, is found to be positive. But he could also be in a situation where he's just banned from racing in France, but allowed to race in the UK, depending on, because obviously it's two different authorities, so they might interpret the situation slightly differently. So that one's going to be an interesting one to watch. He's also lucky in the sense that he gets to appeal whatever decision is made anyway, and he'll be able to race pending the decision of his appeal. So he's going to be able to race out the remainder of this season and not miss out on any of the kind of big races coming up with Champions Day and stuff uh, midway through October. So he's he's lucky in that respect. I got a question for you then. Which jockey would you be most surprised by if they failed a, a cocaine drugs test? Just flats.
1: Because jumps, I, I, I'd probably have a few. Just jumps, jumps, they right. have
2: to be on cocaine to do that. <laughs> <laughs> just just flat. Just flat racing.
1: I mean, is it's the elephant in the room here, Ryan Moore? <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine him. I, I can't even imagine him understanding
2: cocaine. <laughs> but, you know, maybe that's why he shies away from the limelight. And maybe that's why he doesn't like interviews. Because he's just absolutely tripping balls. And so he he just hates being put his paranoia and stuff really sets in. So he doesn't like being, he doesn't want to be filmed on camera while he goes, oh, it was really good beating that dragon in this race. <laughs> I can just
1: imagine this scenario where like Ryan Moore, we see him the everyday when he's not on the horse, because obviously he's um, mellowed out, he's not on cocaine. But actually him going absolutely mental whipping a horse might be the effects of the cocaine on Brian more. is that he's not actually a jockey. Mm. It's just when he gets on a horse, he just likes to absolutely smack it.
0: Yep. Yeah, Ryan Moore would be a good one, I think. Holly Doyle, does Holly Doyle look like the uh Yeah, Holly, do- Holly Doyle
2: music? Holly Doyle might but it might that might just be a you know weird way an element of sexism that I that I think that a man is more likely to do cocaine than a woman. But yeah, well, I think right
0: I I don't think that's sexist. I think the statistics show that.
2: No, I know, but you still see what I mean. when I'm judging the yeah. individual, in the same industry that I'm, but yeah, probably yeah. But more, she doesn't more seem more like going. a druggie.
0: <laughs> no, I'll tell you who I could see: William Buick. Wow, well, he. He's got that like Godolphin vibe with him where like he flies yeah. private. You know, he's yeah. always on like these fancy charters going to Dubai all the time. He's a victim of connection.
1: The, I was going to say um, he's, he's a victim of connection because all he does is rise for the light of prestige. And I imagine he's probably a victim of the environment that that fools him.
2: And to me, there's one obvious pick, though, as a likely candidate. And that's Doyle, because I could imagine just Doyle raging on cocaine, (laughs) shouting the doiler and telling people to call him the doiler as he snapped them really hard on his (laughs) the
0: doiler. (laughs) All right. Well, with 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 that little cocaine infused segment, shall we shall we end on that?
2: Yeah, it's also worth saying that, that all of that was just pure speculation and not based on anything, right? We don't want to get sued. <laughs> that, was just, <laughs> that was just us playing a little fun game and just, just, just guessing different names. Guess the cocaine lost, on the jockey. Have we,
0: have we lost our only chance to have Ryan Moore on?
2: <laughs> Or did we just get our yeah. best chance to have Ryan it, Moore on? It like, depends how much
0: cocaine on. we can give him. <laughs> all right, well, good luck in the bets this week. Be interesting to see what Enable does. A lot riding on this for Eddie, I believe, more than us now.
2: I mean, uh, the thing, the biggest thing that's riding on it for me is that I, you know, feel like it's one of those horses that everyone's, similar to Potash in that sense, where you feel like you have a real attachment to it. I also do to Stradivarius, but because Stradivarius isn't racing on the sort of in a situation which I expect it to win, I'm not going to be disappointed to see it lose. To me it will just be more it was really disappointing watching enable lose in the arc last year and it will be disappointing to see it again just be kind of a sad ending to a very very good career good luck and good night talk to you boys later <laughs> see ya Ariel.